This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the special, special, special uh, 50 years of Chelsea series continues tonight. And uh, I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, from the Chelsea Fancast. And tonight, of all nights, we are discussing, special is the appropriate word. I mean, arguably one of the most special seasons we've ever had as Chelsea supporters. I'm talking, of course, about the 2004-2005 season. Uh, remarkable for many things, but not least because we won the Premier League for the first time and our second uh, league title in our illustrious and not-so-trophy-laden, up until that point, history. Um, And who better to join me tonight than two wonderfully lovely people who I haven't seen for a good while, which makes my heart warmer in terms of seeing them again. And the first, of course, is Mr Jonathan Kidd. It's great to be on this show, and I will get very emotional as we go through. Yeah, me too. One of the great seasons of uh, uh, possibly the greatest season our football club has, has ever had, other than winning the Champions League, a couple of other occasions, of course. But in terms of what you lay it against suddenly to become Premier League champions was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. And it's a great joy to be sharing this, of course, with the brain of Stamford Bridge. He, he eats nothing but fish and feeds on the plankton of our dreams. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it is, of course, the fantastic Mark Meehan. Lovely to have you on the show, Mark. Fantastic. I shouldn't actually be introducing you because you're just the same, you know, it, it's it's you and me today with Chidge. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I've been a bit beyond beyond my station, really. But he that. deserves an introduction, doesn't he? Really, He does. He does. He does. He does. He does. There will be many a quip and many a story associated with this that I will not have that uh, Mark will... will uh, many will... a slip between quip and lip. Yeah, yeah to... to, to bastardize an old folk saying yeah yeah um, <laughs> meow <laughs> good evening but, uh, yes indeed the great mark man good evening everybody a uh, very 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 special show tonight really pleased to be on it 
I don't think in all our years of going to see Chelsea play, there has ever been a better season and there may not ever be as good a season as this was. This season was just absolutely true, not just because we won the league for the first time in 50 years. It was the manner in which we won the league and how that special team performed over that nine, ten month period. Really looking forward to tonight's show. Do you think do you think we might have given the ending away there, Mark? Spoiler alert, Frank yeah, so. Bit of a spoiler alert, isn't it? Um nothing can spoil this show tonight, uh, apart from maybe me coming in with the odd plug. So I'm gonna get it out of the way early. Uh there will be one more plug during the show. I warn you now, but uh, we'll wait till the end for that. Now, if you like what we do uh on the Chelsea fancast, so that's our or kind of two shows a week on a Monday and a Friday, plus uh, other kind of special shows like the 50 Years series, the uh, odd podcast with, with players, the Chelsea Fancast presents live at the Troubadour with ex-players, and uh, what else do we do? The My Chelsea, you name it. We do so many things. If you like all of that, uh, and if you want to say thank you, we appreciate what you do, and of course help me cover all the costs associated with it, then all you need to do is join our Patreon page. It's very easy. You just go to patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And uh, and really, very simply, you just donate as much as you want or as little as you want every month and uh, you'll make an old man very happy. But uh, in return, you will get, if you want, uh, a, Kerry ban- a Kerry Dixon banner, a little mini banner, of the great man, the uh, replica of the one that hangs in the Matthew Harding upper. And, of course, you can join our Discord group, which is great fun, which has kept me relatively sane uh, with no Chelsea for the last few weeks while the World Cup's been on. Uh, and there's some lovely people in there and a lovely little co- little community we have. So there you go. Show your appreciation at patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Now, on to the, the main thing. And what do we always start with, JK, on the 50 Years Show? The kids, the, the kids, kids, the kids. You should make a little song like a bagpuss song about that. Oh, the kids, we can fix it, we can fix it. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, anyway, I, I, have, I hate to say this to you, JK, there is no change in the home kit. It's exactly the same as the season before, which is the, uh, I think, rather stylish uh, Umbro kit with the white flashes, ruined only by the old Bates badge. Yes, yes, which lingered. Yes, lingered. like a but bad it, smell, really. Could it change? But no, I, I think that kit is. I think Umbro had it at the time. We're thinking oh, it could be something more exciting, and then you, after you realise what um, Adidas and then Nike did with the kits, so some of the Adidas kits were good, but Nike has just been absolutely dog's dinner, hasn't it? And uh, it'd be so nice to replicate some of those kits. You don't think this is seventeen years ago? Of course, that kit, and uh, and yeah. it, it, it itself was like homage to the. Uh, 1960s kits with the v-neck that one so uh it, it ticked all the boxes for me i thought it was excellent uh, me too i i like the v-neck i like the white flashes it's a proper color blue lovely white socks with a nice blue flash on it as i said the only thing that ruined it really is the old bates badge now we've got the um the uh last season's away kit which is uh, affectionately known uh as the embassy number 10 kit by me and marco in other words it looks exactly like a packet of fags, what me and Marco used to smoke. Uh, and I love this kit, but that was basically kind of, if you like, relegated to our third kit. But it was actually worn a lot and in some incredibly memorable matches, more of which later. So our our, our main away kit, again, I think underrated as a as a yeah, somewhat agree. iconic kit. It was It was black, but with silver shorts and flashes. It's quite sexy, J.K., 
At the time, we were a bit rude about it. We were, we? but I think hindsight's a wonderful black. thing. Well, they were in black for they're all referees. No, we've had her. we've had black before. It was the silver that was a bit. Oh, not sure about that. But no, that was always just for the general. You know, why can't they come up with something more colourful? I think one is always yearning for the yellows and blues of uh, of one's childhood that seemed to be, or even the the red and red, white, and green of the hungry kit. But um, but uh, no, it it it. I think also you associate the success of the team with it as well yeah and because they played so well in it you 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 think you have very nice feelings towards the kit because the uh, the players were so good and the players players were as, as marcus said already was uh the the manner that they uh they played was so so phenomenal to it win. was indeed mark what, what what's your view on the kits well we talked about home shirt last time so uh lovely kit like it great deal the away kit was a bit of a surprise because I'm, I'm trying to remember did we wear black before there was one in Ranieri's which is like almost like a blacky blue kit but this was like a proper black kit with a sort of not just the silver shorts the silver piping yeah along the sleeves uh, and I actually got this kit you know yeah my, my days Ooh. of football shirts are probably long behind me but I actually did buy this shirt I really liked it I thought it was a really good shirt the shorts Shorts, I'm not sure about silver shorts. Um, you didn't buy I the did, shorts as well then, Mark? No. I didn't buy the shorts. So no, the rumours of not... you wandering around, uh, you, you know, your manner in them are completely unfounded, are they? Completely unfounded. Not with my so legs. It was somebody yeah. else, right? It, it, it was somebody else. Not with my legs. They, they wouldn't work. But I did wear the home shirt. I, I'm sorry, the away shirt. I really like this kit. And as not just the Embassy Number no. 6 kit. Yeah, this shirt also had some memorable games without risking another spoiler, in particular, the most memorable game we'll talk about later was that Blackburn yeah. away game yes. when they all yeah, took their shirt off afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so this this kit, home and away, has a lot of good memories attached to it. It do indeed. Um, so next thing on the agenda, as always, is the uh, the transfer, the ins and the outs. Um, I'm going to say nothing apart from reading them out, and then we will discuss. Uh, so in... First of all, in June uh, comes Jose Mourinho, the uh, the uh, the well, the, the most widely known secret in football ever that he was going to be appointed. He turns up in June, and then in comes a lot of players: Petr Cech, Paulo Ferreira, Arjen Robin, Didier Drogba, Ricardo Carvalho, uh, and uh, Matija Kesman, Tiago, Nuno Moraes, and uh, Jiri Yarosik. From he, was in, he was in January. That's though, right. It? Yeah, I mean uh, Jarosic. Uh, yeah, all all of them are summer transfers, apart from Jarosic. Out go uh, Claudio Ranieri uh, at the end of May. All right, all right, all right. Mark, uh, Marcel Desai, Winston Bogard. Hooray! How the fuck did we get rid of it? it took Mourinho to get rid of that wanker, didn't it? Anyway, uh, we lost two Marios. So you, we used to sing, we've got two Marios. So yeah. we were singing, we've got no Marios. So Mario Stanich, Mario Melchior. Uh, Mario Stanich retired. Uh, Melchior went to Birmingham. Emmanuel Petit was released. Uh, Christ knows where to. I thought he was awful for us. Jimmy he retired. He retired, did didn't he? he? Yeah, he was yeah. very injury, uh, you know, he struck uh, for a year. So cut, cut his ponytail off, which, you know. It's like Samson. Off. He lost all of his yeah. power. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, much to my utter sadness. He went to Middlesbrough on a free. Jespier Gronkjaer, Forrest Gump. He went to Birmingham like Mario Melchiot. Bolo Zenden, who had been on loan, I think, to Borough, stayed there. Thank fuck for that. I never liked him. 
Neil Sullivan, who had a great sense of humour, uh, to be fair, I remember some badinage with him when he was our keeper. He went to Leeds on a free. Celestine Babiaro, uh, eventually, um, he went in January. He he uh, went to Newcastle for a million. Marco Ambrosio uh, went back to Italy on a free. And uh, this is in January too. And uh, Mutu went to Juventus for a free. More about Mutu later. That's- you mentioned Crespo. Uh, well, he's still on loan at Milan, as we'll know yes. by the end of the season. Spoiler alert! He, he, only, he, only goes, he only goes out on loan in this summer when Mourinho comes in. Yeah, but he's yeah. not—he's yeah. not mentioned interestingly in the uh, unless I missed it in Bound of Friday. But I know he went because we all. Well, know we him. had we, we had four players who went out on loan when Mourinho came in. Ron went to Inter Milan. Crespo went to AC Milan. Mikel Forsell joined the Birmingham City. Chelsea on sea trail and Carlton Cole yeah. went to Aston Villa alone. So we, we 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 had a few. The other player that also went was <clears throat> the one game one appearance, um, which is an exclusive club at Stamford Bridge. Joel Kitamarike actually went as well. Um, he was the young lad who only played one game um, out in Israel when we talked about it on a previous show. Yes. yes. Uh, uh, and they, and they he, decided not to go in case there was terrorist activity. Yeah, so, so Joel played. That was his one game for Chelsea. He got released at the end of his contract. And I think we talked about him on a previous show. I think the last we'd heard of him, I think he did a, a custodial sent, sentence at Her Majesty's he pleasure. He did. He yeah. did. For crimes yeah. against football? No, I don't think it's crimes against football. Right. I think I think it was a more serious crime than that. Can, okay. can I just observe that um, the, the madness of a situation where the um, incoming owner gets rid of what is it 13 players hang on let me count one well not include no so one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve more than that 16 all right get well get with the loans i think it's yeah yeah Yeah. so so um getting rid of all the dead weight and the has-beens yeah yeah. and then buys boom two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve and so you, you are fulfilling Kenyon's view that he wants to try and have every single position having a world. Well, you player. know what? I'm going to I'm going to call it, mate. I see you. I see you and I call you. My opinion, having revisited this this week, and it's so topical, isn't it, really, considering what's happening to the club right now? If yes. that is not the best transfer window we have oh. ever had, then shoot me now. And yet at the time, one didn't realise the the, no. the unbelievable significance of what they did at the club. And also all this business about, oh, it's so difficult to move players on, you know. If you've got the the wherewithal, and, and I have to say that this is exactly what the club should be doing now. Mm. Well, we're not going to get down that road. No, we're not. I know, that rabbit hole. Because no. I'm happy at the moment. I'm happy. Yeah. Let, me, yeah, let me stay happy. And we'll be happier but... still by the end of this show. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just giving... Yeah, we will. But just giving you oh, a template. Oh, no, you're right. A template no. of what... At the time, this is the benchmark. Me, I just thought, oh, they've got rid of a few players, yeah. and they bought. Thinking they got rid of everybody that we looked at and thought, well, not really passed, good enough. Not past their self it, it, It's better than that. I mean, Mark, just think about this. I, I've highlighted them in our notes, but in Petacek, Ferreira, Robin, Didier Drogba, and Carvalho, you've got you've got one, two, three, four, five five signings in one window, who all in their own little way went on to be legends at the club. Every single one of them was an excellent transfer. I mean, Czech and Drogba became two of the biggest legends we've ever had at the club. Ferreira, 
I mean, you know, stayed forever and went on to the coaching staff. Robin, okay, he pissed off back to Bayern Munich too early. But in his short spell at the club, he was an absolute wunderkind. Wizard, wizard. And, and Ricky Carvalho, arguably one of the most under, underrated but effective defenders we've ever had. I mean, you, there is no transfer window we have ever had at this club that's better, in my opinion, Mark. No, I think it's a good point. But I think what we also have to acknowledge in terms of Czech and Iron Robin, they were signed the previous season. So, yeah, they were. So they were the sort of, you know, they're probably Kenyan signings back in the sort of the January, but they didn't join us till the summer. But I think the key thing, this comes back to the importance of the new manager coming in. Let's be, let's be clear about it. Paolo Ferreira, Didier Drogba, Ricardo Cavallo and Thiago were hardly household names when they arrived at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, ne- never mind. Oh, Drogba, people... Drogba, I think was the, the. He had a bit. I mean, he played against Marseille. I think in the UEFA yeah, Cup. Yeah. I oh, know. Sorry, played for Marseille in the UEFA Cup against Newcastle. Yeah, and won. I mean, they knocked Newcastle out. Yeah, well, and, and, and they, so... he won in the final. I mean, he'd made a name. Yeah. He was probably yeah. the most sought-after striker that summer in yeah. Europe. Yeah, but yeah, that was Mourinho. Mourinho wanted Drogba. Yeah, he didn't want anybody else. He wanted Drogba. If Mourinho wasn't there, we may not have got Drogba. Uh, but Ferreira, Cavallo and Thiago, Mourinho has to take a phenomenal amount of credit because that's his knowledge. Um, obviously, Porto and Cavallo played for him, so he brought two good players in Porto, but his knowledge of Portuguese football. Thiago is very underrated, a very yeah. good player over the very course terrific of the season. Player. And, and, and came up with some really, really important goals. I think the only error, and we'll talk about it more and get into it, and he didn't have a great track record of signing forward, Mourinho. I was really excited with Kesman coming because Kesman and Robin had played together in Dutch football. And I think they, they were, weren't they known as sort of like Batman and Robin? Yeah. Uh, uh, and they they scored a phenomenal amount of goals, Kesman in particular. In broke, Dutch he, football. Broke, he broke records in the Dutch he, league. He broke yeah. records. Uh, yeah, uh, and you know, to get him for five million at a time from PSV, we got the PSV forward line for £17 million. Pounds. Yeah. Sadly, other than a few memorable okay, it didn't really work out for Kesman. But you're right, Robin, for that short period, and um, we'll talk about Robin as we get into this season. Um, yeah, his debut appearance and certain key games. He was an incredible player. Fans like players that get their arse out of their seat. Yeah. And he did it many times. Him and Duff. Once I don't think it's till about November, December when they played together for the first time. I think it might have been a Champions League game. But from then on, the pair of them were just incredible. No, they absolutely were. So that whetted our appetite somewhat. Uh, We did a pre-season in the World Series, which could only be in the United States of America, where they play soccer. Uh, But before that, we drew one all with uh, Oxford United. And then in this World Series, you beat Celtic 4-2, Roma 3-0, AC Milan 2-1. Now, the interesting thing about this is in the Roma match, uh, Olivier Dacour broke... uh, Robin's ankle and uh, a lot of the Chelsea players basically tried to punch the shit out of him which was very encouraging good good bit of team spirit there but it fucked Robin I think Duffer got injured too so we were out without shoulder, yeah, shoulder, pop. shoulder pop didn't it as as it was quite, quite often used to with Duffer before we signed him actually but we'd lost you know our two wingers before the season really started which was un- I mean what did Oscar Wilde say to lose one is uh, um, unfortunate and to, to lose two is what is it Jonathan uh, um, it's a disgrace, probably. Anyway, death, 
No, I know. No, it was something else. It was it was far wittier than what we've provided. Well, what a bloody surprise! We are talking about Oscar Wilde. He was a great wit, after all. Uh, now, this might have gone under the radar for a few people, but not for me and many thousands of others who turned up on the eighth of August in two thousand and four for um, the Gianfranco Zola tribute match. Um, a year after the great little man had uh, had gone uh, back to Sardinia to Cagliari. Uh, and Chelsea played Real Zaragoza and the keeper, as I recall, wore a very fetching pink outfit and got quite a lot of derision for it. Um, it was wonderful. It was in August. It was really sunny. I got a lovely souvenir programme and uh, later to form the, uh, not the centrepiece of, but I have a, a signed Franco Zola shirt and uh, the pro- that, the programme from this game is, is in the frame with the shirt. Uh, do you know what? I can't remember who the hell scored, Mark. Can you remember? Nope. Uh, no. <laughs> nope. J- nope. <laughs> JK? There was a DVD produced for it. Um, there was. Was. I don't... there was. There yeah. was, yeah. I might have yeah. it somewhere. Maybe I should have looked. Can you remember JK? I have the programme. I have no, no recollection. No, no. But it was lovely to see. It was lovely fun. It was, it was kind of a lovely way to get into the season, really. Which we're going to do now, because the first game of the season, who better to... Uh, I mean, because here's the thing, and I, sh- I should talk to the boys before we get into this. Um... You know, what was our feeling at the start of the season, JK? You know, we've signed Mourinho. Okay, we've signed all of these players and got rid of a lot of them. Um, you know, we didn't know anything. Re- I mean, I knew I knew about Drogba and I was very excited that we'd signed him because, you know, he was a name. I really didn't know anything about the others at all. Um, I was a bit upset that, you know, Jimmy Floyd had gone, even that Marcel Desai had gone in, in a way. Um, but I was very excited about Mourinho. And I'll be very honest with you boys right here and now. The minute that it was confirmed that Mourinho was coming in, I, th- I thought, I said to myself, we're going to win the league this year, uh, not least because it's our centenary year and it would be very appropriate, but he's going to get us over the line. We're going to win the league. So I felt really confident from the get-go, JK. How about you? Um, well, I loved it. I loved his first press conference when he revealed that he was the special one. Yeah. Um, and that, that, uh, that set me up for thinking, I think this is going to be a season uh, we're going to... Um, appreciate. Tis the but season thought, to be jolly. Hey, indeed, indeed, very <laughs> jolly. constant jolliness. Um, but um, uh, as with all every season, I always start off very optimistic, but with kind of pessimistic shoes on, just in case it all. You, you pessimistic, apart. never. But, or in case it no, but you know, at the beginning of the season, <laughs> you think you think a new season. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, it might all gel. You know, it might all fall apart. Let's see. And um, as it became apparent with the the combination of players that he created, that it was it was going to be fabulous. Um, um, my enthusiasm for watching them just um, knew no bounds, and uh, I didn't have a girlfriend. And I thought, well, I put all my energy into watching the watching the boys. You know, quite so, right uh, too. Quite right too. Mark, um, I thought we were going to win the league when Mourinho came. What did you think? Ooh, I love your optimism, and that's coming. I was, you know, I, I was, I was certain. I mean, it was like in my bones, mate. I was, I just knew it. I knew we were going to do it. I, I, I'm an eternal optimist. I, I didn't necessarily think that we were going to win the league, um, um, but I think partly that was it's. Like, oh my word, we've got Man United first game of the season. That's not a great start because they were obviously along with Arsenal, the two main teams at that present moment in time. Well, it was a, hege- was it was a hegemony between the two, wasn't it? Yeah, and there was, they were still aggrieved with our tanks Ooh. on their lawn, etc., etc. But I think there was, there was one thing, 
I wasn't concerned about, sort of like worried about, but it was the Euros in 2004. And obviously we had a lot of players away at the Euros like we have at this World Cup now. Uh, and they were late coming back. So Mourinho did not have long with them. And he'd only been in charge about a month. So it was that, well, it might take a while for this new guy to come in and make his impact. But there was, I think, three really important things that I put, put me in good stead, other than Mourinho arriving. The fact he brought in Steve Clark and promoted him from the youth team to assistant manager, I think was a really significant decision, number one. Secondly, with Desai going off to Qatar, and I bet no one knew where Qatar was back in 2004. Uh, they know where it is now. Um, he made John Terry captain, so number two, but he made Frank Lampard vice-captain. And I think that double act took us forward for many years, moving on for this period. And those two players pretty much became the beating heart of this football club. And I think a lot of that stemmed from that decision by Mourinho to elevate him to captain and vice-captain. So I think big decision made by Mourinho early on. I think the other thing as well, to give, give the guy credit, yeah, I've looked at his first programme notes and all he basically said is, I cannot promise you the supporters the championship, but I understand what is expected. The premiership, every match, every opposition is all at a top level. What I can promise you is that I'm working with a fantastic group of professionals. They're not only good on the playing side, they're fine human beings. We are a strong group, ready to fight together. Let's have some fun. Yeah, brilliant, isn't it? You know what? Another brilliant decision he made, JK, or not not necessarily brilliant, but it was a, a big decision, was he chose uh, Czech as his number one goalkeeper over Kudicini. And dear old Carlo had been arguably the Premier League's best keeper for the, the previous two seasons. And we loved him. So that was a really big call. It's really impossible to argue against it now with all that hindsight. But at the time, it was like, not so sure. Mm, you know, he obviously decided there was something lacking in Carlo. Yeah, height, I think. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's it. <laughs> he was a short ass. I knew there was a reason. Yes, although absolutely. he's not. He's actually quite tall. But Czech was a monster. But in comparison with yeah. Czech, yeah, in comparison with Czech, and you have to remember anybody who's coming. New to this is Czech didn't have his headgear because he hadn't been kicked in the head by uh, Stephen Hunt. Um, Sorry, Hunt. Hunt, Stephen Hunt at Reading. Yeah. Um, so he was um, boyish and uh, and hirsute when you when you watched him making his fantastic saves, and he did many brilliant saves in the season. Now, can I just say that you have to watching the whole of the season? You you it, Robin's injury, by the way, allowed Joe Cole to play more often, which was. Um, which uh, was actually the making of Joe Cole as well, who was was terrific all season. Other than those moments when Mourinho decided to make an example. We'll get into that. But, but, but my overall view of the season is, oh, is, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. is that Frank Lampard was completely phenomenal. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Phenomenal player. Phenomenal um, ability to score. It's just quite well, he, remarkable. He ended up being our top scorer, of course. Listen, starting with the Man United match... Um, what was also interesting, actually, with the benefit of hindsight, he started before Diamond 2. Uh, we won 1-0, obviously, with a great Ida goal on 15 minutes. And it sounds like a squeaky game. It wasn't at all. I mean, Mark, Man United never put a glove on us, as you said. No, they, they didn't. And there was, that, as I said, that nervousness. It's Manchester United, first game of the season. You know, the last team you want to play with a relatively new-looking team, a new manager. But we were very good. 
it, 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 there was those early Mourinho signs of we got it in front very early on after 15 minutes and then we never looked like conceding, conceding the goal and we didn't know that at the time yeah we didn't really know and appreciate uh, that resilience you know that Mourinho sides had um, so it was still nervy you know I remember the last 10 15 minutes that typical nervous Chelsea thing we hadn't got a second goal but it was a really, really important win. A big, big statement in the first game of the season. Definitely a statement win. And that's a really good point. I mean, it, it, in a sense, this became the pattern for Chelsea while Mourinho were there, that you went one or two nil up and it was game over. But we didn't know that then. So our arses were squeaking a lot. Um, and of course, Mutu was playing. Mutu was playing. I mean, it's a fashion. I didn't get my bound of Friday up. But, I mean, that's a, a very good point. Uh, that uh, you make there, Mr. Kidd. Um, One of his two two appearances that season. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's actually. Do you know what? Let me let me just take a minute to get there because I think this is always this is lovely. You know, bit of kind of revisionist hindsight in a way, isn't it? it came on it. What, what was Mourinho's first team? It was Petacek, Claude, uh, Claude Makélélé, Alexi Smirtin, who had come oh, back. He from, came back from yeah, loan. Yeah, he came back yeah. from Pompey. Uh, yeah. Frank Lampard, William Gallus. Uh, the player that J.K. likes called Jeremy, uh, Ricardo Jeremy, sorry Jeremy, Jeremy, <laughs> uh, Ricky Carvalho came on for him at the end. Uh, Drogba started, replaced by Matea Kesman, Wayne Bridge, uh, Paolo Ferreira, Ida, who uh, was replaced by Scott Parker and J.T. On the bench was uh, uh, Carlo Cudicini and Mutu. Mutu didn't. Didn't come, didn't come on, on. no, but he was on the bench. He was still on the bench. He was still part of the squad. He was, uh, and we had, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six debuts there. So it's interesting, and they all played for Diamond Two, which, in a way, we we didn't kind of ex- well, we didn't know what to expect really, but that's what they were playing. It was effective. We beat United. That's all that matters. The next game uh, was another one nil win. A uh, really good Joe Cole uh, goal on sixty eight minutes against Birmingham away. Birmingham missed some sitters. I think we got away with this one a bit. I mean, Mel- Melchior, of course, was playing for them and was res- kind of partly responsible for the goal for getting beaten quite easily by Joe Cole. The football was not flowing. But what Mourinho did, realising that the football was not flowing, is he brought Joe Cole on and went 4-3-3. And that kind of made the difference. The only other thing I'd say about that was that Wayne Bridge got an injury. So there you go. Uh, the next game up was Palace. We won this 2-0, another away game. Drogba's first goal for us on 28 minutes. Thiago kind of sealed it on 72 minutes. Mark, you were at this one, weren't you? was. Uh, two very good goals. Um, <laughs> Drogba's header, if people remember it, is a, a cross from the left-hand side by Baba. So a really fine header. And I think that's always important when you sign a new striker, bearing in mind the ghost of strikers past and ghost of strikers present at Stamford Bridge. You, your your main man gets an early goal, so you can see Drogba was pleased. Did that slide he became famous for? But then Thiago is in the side, and he he wins the game for us. And that's the first time you get the Thiago charm. Uh, he Thiago, comes from Portugal. Whoa, he hates the Arsenal. Yeah. I actually saw that starting because a bloke had had it written on a piece of paper, and he stood on a chair. Mark. Wow. Mm. He stood on a chair on his seat and started singing it. And a steward came down and said, get down, get down, get down. And he ignored them. Because he was, he was from South London, the steward, right? He was very much so from South London, very much so. It's difficult to know what accent to do in these instances because you're not allowed anymore, are you? You know. Where he was actually, he from? He actually said, get down, 
he actually said, but I, you know, I, I'm not allowed to do that voice anymore. So he said, actually said, excuse me, old boy, would you get down, please? You have to do it in what uh, uh, RP. RP. All yes. accents have to be in RP. RP now, because yeah. that's my authentic voice. Yeah, yeah. RP, yes. I say, old boy, would you get down, please? Yes. But it's it, so in order to to stop him from being thrown out from this this, this steward who was trying to get kept wandering around being a nuisance. Everybody else around him stood on their seats, Love and it. it all then took off. And that came, that was the song of of that evening was the Tiago song, which was then sung nonstop. And he scored a cracking goal. And I have to say also, Drogba's goal, uh, as well as being early, Mark in the season, was a cracker, leaping so high, bulleting the ball into the corner. Power was was fabulous, and it was like a statement to say, "I'm here, and I'm I'm a I'm a decent player." And I and and you know I'm going I'm I'm thinking oh this is all rather good isn't it we appear to have put Palace to the sword that's three in a row that's pretty good can I just say that the Birmingham game I remember being at there were two really tedious um, boys near me every time the ball went into the penalty area they shouted away away they just kept shouting this at other time and I wanted to go look we've got it we know the ball needs to be got away you don't need to shout in my ear all the time away and then somebody actually took it out of my hands by saying will you two just fucking shut up some bloke said and I thought oh thank you very much indeed for doing that yes please yes, now yes, that me. was done in a South London accent yeah Yes, yes, that was sorry, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Would you two, would you two chat, please desist? Would you possibly desist from all your shouting? I'm sounding like like um uh, Arthur Lowe in, in uh, Yes, you in, did actually. You did. Yes, for the, for those of you who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, RP is BBC received pronunciation. Yes, yes. It that's is. what we've been told. You have to you, you can't you're not allowed to do accents anymore, you have to be authentic. So no, we're we're, we're we're gonna be like we're that. Loved. We're Londoners. We're so going to do RP from now on. So there we oh. go. Uh, so that's two away games, one home game, three wins, uh, four goals scored, none conceded. And then we go on to uh, Chelsea versus Southampton uh, and on the 28th of August, bank holiday weekend. What could possibly go wrong? How about James Beattie uh, putting in a flaming worldie from about 40 yards out uh, after a minute? Started by dreadful passing from... from uh... Joe Cole, who, who for no apparent reason just kicked it aimlessly into the centre of the pitch. One of the reasons by why there were moments where he and Jose had um, uh, differences, let's put it that way. But um, yes, and Beattie then, uh, it was, he was so good that um, he soon got a transfer to Everton, didn't he, yeah. Beattie? That season. Con- exactly. Considered- later. We'll tell, we'll tell the story of that later. <laughs> considered a, a top player as a consequence of this kind. It's one of those times where where he was absolutely on fire, Beatty, and that was just a completely speculative shot from about 40 yards, and it, it took check by surprise and ended up in the net. What was this, 12 seconds? Yeah. 12 seconds. Well, mate, you know you know my loathing for Southampton back in those days, and, of course, you know, I just about sat in my seat in Gate 17 having had a few beverages beforehand, and I couldn't believe it, and I was, like, almost... You know, well, I was put it this way. I was very depressed after seeing that because I just couldn't. Be, I expected that Southampton would be absolutely eviscerated, but oh no, here we are, one minute in and bloody beaty scored. Mind you, he made typical up. Chelsea. Typical, typical Chelsea, Chelsea, let me down again. But anyway, uh, Beatty did the right thing and managed to score in his own net after 34 minutes, and then uh, <laughs> and then Lamps polished it off with a with a penalty on 41. So the world continued. I went home happy. Um, the other notable about this, of course, Mark, was it was Duffer's first game of the season, having, uh, as you said, popped his shoulder in pre-season. 
Yeah, good to, good to have him in the side. I was always a big fan of Damien Duff. So um, he missed the start with that silly injury in America. But I think the other thing about James Beatty, didn't, he, didn't we talk about him on a previous show, like a few years earlier? He'd done the same again at Stamford Bridge and scored a work. He scored always, a always yeah. scored against us. I'm just interested. I'm trying to find it on Bound of Friday. Just seeing how many games did James Beatty score against us in his playing career? Yeah, well, six. 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 Yeah, we scored against Chelsea six times. How did you find that on Bound of Friday? Well, what what you do, and this is why it's the number one Chelsea site, boys and girls, if you are listening. If you look at a team lineup, any team that plays against Chelsea, you click on the player. So I've just clicked on James Beatty because I was looking at the Chelsea-Southampton game, it takes you into his career against Chelsea. Bloody hell. Yeah. It's and magic. It's, it's brilliant. I, I, I discovered this about a year ago. So it's a really great thing. So every single player that's ever played against Chelsea, you can go in and see the number of times they played against us, how many appearances they made, how many games they won playing against Chelsea, and how many goals they scored. And he only scored, he played 20 games against us and only scored six. So it's wrong of me to say he always scored against us. It just felt like it, all right? It's good enough he for did, me. I think, I think it was when he was at Southampton, he always seemed to score at Stamford Bridge for some reason. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right there. Uh, ne- next up, sorry, JK, go on. It was, it was interesting that um, uh, it was an obvious penalty with the chap punching the ball away practically. Yeah. Yet they surrounded the ref as if he hadn't done anything. Yeah. I found it a feature of this season of uh, feigned of, innocence. Yeah, which many teams did and uh, aggressively oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And how so many decisions, if we'd had VAR, um, would have been overturned um, just because well, of the. Do you know what? I thought that watching the DVD yesterday. Exactly yeah. that. And that's a really good point. Um, upshot is by the end of August, we are in second position, having won our first four matches of the season. That is the first time we'd ever done that which is remarkable, really. But there you go. Uh, Arsenal were on top by goal difference, plus six they had at this stage. Into September, and we've got Villa away. Horrible match, as I recall. Ends nil-nil. Drogba, interestingly, was booked for diving, wasn't he, Mark? He was, but there was a a brilliant... I didn't think it was a dive, but there's a brilliant headline in the Daily Mirror next day because they interviewed Drogba, and they ask him, did he die? And he says, absolutely not. So fair play to the mirror. Their headline was, because it was a very dull nil-nil game, did he dive, did he hell? Yeah, what they really wanted to write was, did he fuck? Yeah, but they couldn't do that they because that do would that. be very rude. And it was interesting because when Jose was interviewed afterwards, he said, uh, it's a penalty everywhere in the world, he said. Yeah. yeah. About it. He's starting early, wasn't he? Um, I mean, this is a good time to put this because, you know what, looking at the season as a whole... Um, and it does, it does not come across at all from the DVD, the highlights of the season. Um, but this was Drogba's first season. And I remember vividly, he dived a lot and he got a lot of stick from the supporters of it. And yet this does not come through at all on the DVD, does it, Mark? No, it doesn't. So that's probably some very, very good editing as well. I, he actually missed a number of games during the season as well. He was out injured for a part of it as well. So I always think Drogba's impact season is the following season yeah, in five six up front at Crespo where he was just unbelievable because I think by then Terry and Lampard had had a word in his ear and say like actually mate you are overdoing it a bit 
Yeah, and no, I, I agree, but I do remember us getting on his back for the diving. So, I think, so yeah, fans did. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it was it was interesting yeah. that he got booked actually for he, he didn't dive. He was absolutely yeah. found for that one. Um, PSG, our first uh, foray into this season's Champions League comes next. We're away. We murdered them, really. JK, I was there. I was there too. Bob, oh. Do you want to have a fight? Who gets to talk about it first? Let JK fight, go fight, first. Fight, so fight, annoying. fight, 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 fight. He's Parisian. He can do his Parisian walkways. You're know. going to do it in RP or in French? Tell you what, do it in the style of Claude Makélélé. <laughs> in a little voice like that. He was so it? French, though. He sounded like Marcel Marceau, didn't he? But he just like that, isn't it? His little voice like yeah. that. Um, you have to remember with Makélélé, uh, people who don't know the era, he, he had a fantastic ability to, to sort of scrag people to get the ball, which it looked as if he was possibly fouling them, but he wasn't. He would just magnetically find himself attracted his foot would be attracted to the ball and he'd kick it away and uh, and he was also a much better passer of the ball than people would realize he was quite pinpoint with his passes never scored hardly ever shot um but uh, um was a was a really essential part of the team uh just as a as a uh, a destroyer just in front of the uh, of the defense um uh but the game was um we were so much better than them um, DDA was booed non-stop because he played for Marseille, of course, and got great joy. If I remember, he scored, didn't he, Mark? I can't. I think scored he did. two goals. Well, Terry Ter- Terry scored the first on twenty-nine. Drogba on forty-five and seventy-five. But uh, Drogba scored a brilliant world kick. A world kick. A, a brilliant free Last kick. Worldy. Yeah, free kick. And I remember afterwards going to a, a restaurant, the Gardenor, and uh, they played um, Creams. Um, um, well, one of the blues, the Crossroads live from the Fillmore and uh, I remember sitting at the bar and thinking god this is so fantastic isn't it we're in Europe we've got a great side great potential just play wonderfully I'm listening to one of my favorite groups and I'm in a cafe and uh, and I walked out and left and two seconds later the uh, the French um uh, the, the 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 not the police the other CS. ones yeah they, they all arrived and um and duffed the place up and took everybody back to prison so uh I timed it beautifully, actually. But there were lots of little um, little moments where there were fans throwing things around, unfortunately. There were little little outbursts. I don't know if you came across any of that, Mark. Oh, to... I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, like We went out for a couple of days. Uh, ironically, it was the first time I'd ever been to Paris by train. So I was the first time on the Eurostar. Uh, good day in Paris. Uh, there for a couple of days. But picking up on JK's point, walking down to PSG's ground, and we were talking about the away kit earlier. And my mate was actually wearing the away kit that night, my mate Dave. Um, and walking down, and you just see out the corner of your eye this huge mob walking down towards the stadium. And they're in the distance. I said, oh, just in case, you might want to zip your top up because you, you don't know who. And PSG had a reputation, shall we say. But as they get near, you think, oh, that's okay. They're Chelsea. You you you, you recognise some of the faces down the years. But then as you go around the corner at PSG's ground, on the left came PSG's firm, which is known as the Boulogne Boys. Um, so like we were going into the ground, and just as we were going in, like both sets of Chelsea fans and the PSG fans then go into this massive fight just right in front of us. And it's not quite like that episode of Only Fools and Horses where Del Boy gets back to Nelson Mandela house and the fighting crowd part say, it's Del Boy getting through. But we're literally just walking through. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It's like, no, it's Mark Meehan. It's Mark Meehan. Yeah. Not yeah, the face. Not, not the face. 
I'm not fun. But it was just, it was just funny. You're walking around and dodging these Chelsea and PSG fans, going toe to toe with each other. It was a full on fight. Um, but then in the ground as well, and it's been repeated a lot of times since on European trips. And it was actually in Salzburg the other week as well. It was the first time I remember a European trip where we were um, not fenced in, we were netted in. So we had the lower and upper tier in PSG's ground and we were surrounded by netting. And we soon realised, and JK made reference to it, why we're surrounded by netting is to stop them throwing shit at us. Because literally that's what they did for a large part of the game is when they weren't booing Drogba and making you know, racist chants towards him, they were throwing shit at us. And even then coming out after the game, it was very tense coming out afterwards. They, they were horrible. You know, the, the PSG is not a nice place to go. And to be honest, I don't think it's changed that much. I know the new owners are sort of like san- sanitised it a bit, shall we say, and the Boulogne boys aren't what they were. But that was hostile going in and hostile going out. But more importantly, we won 3-0, a really big performance. We did indeed. And uh, next up, talking of, uh, well, I was going to say hostile places, but actually it was at home. Spurs at home. Um, disappointingly, a nil-nil. Rather frustrating. There was a great save by Czech from Robbie Keane and Ida hit the post. Um, the other notable thing about this was, there were two notable things, really. The first that happened on the pitch, really, Frank Lampard played his 114th consecutive Premier League game which set a new record for an outfield player. He was to extend that throughout the season, of course. Uh, and what did Mourinho say after the game, Mark? Well, we actually had sort of Spurs under the cosh. Um, I think they sacked their manager soon after. They had a guy called Jacques Santini mm. at that point as manager. And they literally just sort of played every man behind the ball other than the occasional chance of Robbie Keane. And how we did not win that game. So Mourinho came out with that famous, which has been used many times since, uh, in, uh, in in the way he would speak, and I cannot do a Mourinho accent, but he just said Spurs oh, came and they parked the bus. And he said they didn't play football. He said they defend and fall down and wait for the medical department. He said, I love that. The medical, say, department. <laughs> the medical department, which I have to the say was part, the whole medical, about 10 guys in medical department. <laughs> Blue flashing lights, the whole nine yards. <laughs> it, it, it's actually very similar to the way that. Inter Milan played against us when he was their manager, which is exactly wow. what they did. Same thing. Yeah, so yeah. as a style, he knew when to embrace that style, although criticising it at this stage. But didn't he actually complain about saying part the bus then became um, one of his phrases? Because he mentioned it yeah. again when we played West Ham. I remember yeah. there was a nil-nil draw as well. Yeah. So and he's had it used against him since, you know, yeah. at yeah. other clubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the first time he used it. Uh, next up was Borough. Um, I think this was away, wasn't it? It was away. Yeah. Borough yeah. away, um, nil one. Uh, Drogba on eighty-one minutes. This was great. This was a super goal. It was a great free kick. It was on the right-hand side of the penalty area, and instead of crossing the ball in, as most people expected, Lampard played it kind of diagonally to Drogba, who was about twenty-five yards out, and he walloped it home. Nice bit of a nice bit of innovation, I thought at the time. The set pieces were yeah. exceptional as a season. If you look at nearly every set piece, it's really interesting to see the inability of the current side to get the ball into the penalty area. The number of nearly everybody could kick the ball in at speed to uh, to a head uh, or, or creating difficulty. And the free kicks were the, were the same. Um, but it, what, part of the reason being, of course, is you've got Frank doing them and Frank's ability to hit the ball at velocity was phenomenal. Yeah. So it, it's already... 
the defence is at a disadvantage because not only is he accurate, the, the pace on the ball is astonishing. Um, uh, yeah, for anybody, once again, listening who doesn't know anything about the season, Frank uh, Frank's uh, ability to um, change a game with his his uh, just his vision and his 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 shots from anywhere and everywhere. Frequently, a, a dipping shot that would move away from the goalkeeper was was quite phenomenal. I mean, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it in more detail game by game. But I think as an overview, J.K., you make. I mean. <laughs> I, I have to say it was almost like like you were saying before we went on air. It was it was tempting to shed a tear or fifteen because oh. you had Joe Cole, Damian Duff, Ian Robin, Didier Drogba, Thiago, Frank Lampard whacking shots in the goal from everywhere, or with precision from six yards out. Ida, I missed Ida out. Every oh. every one of those fuckers could score. And you look at what you look at what we've got we've had to put up with for the last three, four, five seasons. Even Didier was a greatly skillful player. I you know, missed him out too, didn't I? Fucking yeah, hell! Not just not just a target man. You know, he he could beat players on a sixpence. He was, all of them had skill, and you realise that Cole only had a run because Rob Robin was just. Uh, well, we'll get to Robin. But they could Come, all score. They all shoot. could score. They all shot. But they all saw the goal and shot. We're yeah. we're we're still in the era of Jimmy Floyd. Jimmy Floyd was the same thing. You know, I was why I was so fond of him. His ability just to, he sees the goal, he has a dip. Viali was the same. And and it, it's so, it's a very, I know the, the Premier League now is a very different athletics um, environment, but it, you almost feel that they could learn a thing or two about just the ability to, to um, 35 yards out. The number of def- times the ball was deflected into the goal because of the, the shots well, being taken. According to West Ham fans, all Frank's goals were deflections. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, uh, so at least they all got they were all goals. Well, they? quite exactly. I mean, talking of Jimmy Floyd, Mark, Jimmy Floyd, uh, and Bolo, or you know, Bolo Zenden were both playing for Borough, as was in fact the current England manager, uh, Sir Gareth Southgate. I'm going early with the knighthood, you see there, but uh, <laughs> um, so, like, would, uh, never South, a good place to go for Southgate of Gary, wouldn't yes, it be there? Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah, smog, Smogland is never a great place to go, so to go there and get a 1-0 win was a very good win indeed. Mm. Uh, Next up, Porto at home in the Champions League. Of course, this is Mourinho's old club. He left uh, them to join us, having won the Champions League with them. So they were the current Champions League holders. uh, And we walloped them 3-1, which seemed utterly appropriate to me. Smertin got one on 7, Drogba on 50. Benny McCarthy got one back on 68, and then JT scores on 70. Uh, that meant it was two, this is remarkable, two wins out of two, which at the time was our best ever Champions League start. Uh, what else was going on, Mark? Well, the other thing that happened was um, b- before the game, um, the away fans back then were where the family section is now. Um, no, sort of family section, yeah. Yeah, family section's lower tier. Um, um, Mourinho was sort of signing autographs and posing for photographs with his former club's fans. And an irate Porto fan sort of charged down the front and actually spat at Mourinho. Um, but to Mourinho's credit, he actually wrote to UEFA uh, and he asked for them to take no action against Porto uh, and for no action to be taken to the fans in question. Now, the, the, that's the obviously version, the, the, the wicked rumour version. It was a, a disgruntled husband. <laughs> Brilliant. Allegedly. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I have no idea if that is true or not. I love it. I love it. I love it. Brilliant. Brilliant. 
Uh, we finish September in second position in the Premier League. Um, but uh, at the end of that month, uh, the youth team had a new manager, some chap uh, called Brendan Rodgers. Whatever, whatever happened to him? I have no idea. But there you go. Uh, right, into October. Talking of Brendan Rodgers, uh, we got Liverpool at home. Um, I just say, talking of Vias Boash, mm. of course, he, he, uh, he is the scout looking at the opposition. At he the was. Time. I saw his ugly mug yeah, in a, yeah. few, a few of, the, uh, a few of the, uh, the shots, always sitting at the back, looking out of place. Yeah, no, nothing new there then, really. He wasn't crouching then. No, he wasn't crouching then. No. Uh, the less said about him, the better. Um, the we'll interesting cover that in a later show. Well, yeah. indeed. The interesting thing is, I mean, Cole, Cole basically scored a great goal on 64 minutes, which was enough to beat the Scousers. Um, uh, basically, that was another great Lampard free kick, basically, to, to Joe Cole. Uh, and, it, you know, he put it in and Cole was floating on the right-hand side of the penalty area and he kind of flicked it in. Training, training ground work paying off, which is really, really good to see. The the other interesting thing about this game, obviously beating Liverpool is great at any time. And by the way, we beat them again in the league. So it's the first time I think we'd ever beaten them, both home and away, ever. Um, but the interesting thing about this is that the side was unchanged for the third game running. I will, I will read you out what the side was because things are coming into shape here. The other thing, of course, is that really since the, the second game of the season, Mourinho's gone 4-3-3, which of course became... Almost, we were famous for the four-three-three when when Jose was there, and of course we had the flying wingers in Robin and Duff, uh, which was a thing to behold. But to the the side was Petacek, Claude Makélélé, Alexi Schmertin, Ricky Carvalho, Lampard, Duff, uh, Gallus, Didier Drogba, Paolo Ferreira, Ida Good Johnson, John Terry. That that side was the same uh, for three games. So I think the point is J.K. You know, we'd we'd put up with Ranieri, the fucking tinker man, changing it every game for no reason at all. And here we've got Mourinho, who's going, okay, this is the best side. That's who I'm picking. You know, and we've always been saying that, haven't we? And you were saying before we went on air, you know, the difference between an also ran as a manager and Mourinho. And I think it's evidenced by things like that. Well, you know, my my criticism of Ranieri has been... um chronicled in the previous 50 years old, particularly quoting from both Lesseau and Hasselbank's autobiographies, saying how they had no conception as to how on earth he chose the side because somebody would be uh, excellent one week and he just wouldn't bother to pick on the next. And it kind of created a kind of dissent. And it's still, I'm still trying to banish this view that somehow um, Ranieri uh, got us into the Champions League and Roman would never have bought us if we hadn't been in the Champions League, good old Ranieri. And of course, what should have happened was they should have won the league and got to the final and won the Champions League under Ranieri if they'd actually played consistently. But you have to remember that this team, although only had only it was the same for three in a row, there was no Robin in it because he was still injured. So it wasn't exactly the best team. And yet, as I keep saying, it allowed Joe Cole to have a run. And Joe Cole was was other than not doing what what um, Jose wanted was brilliant. It, 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 as was revealed the next few seasons, Joe Cole is, is a is was a brilliant player for us. It was. Um, I mean, the other thing about this game is that Drogba uh, went off. In fact, I mean, talking about Joe Cole, Joe Cole came on for Drogba on thirty eight minutes, and Drogba got injured, and he was out uh, for seven weeks, having to, you know he had yes. to have a groin op. So yes. interesting point there, Mark. Something. Yeah, it allowed, sorry, it allowed, sorry, good, it, no, no, it allowed Good Johnson then to. Uh, 
to uh, to cement his place really because he, he had the you know there was an embarrassment of riches because they they you know if you did look at the the the, the whole list of players I think the twenty three that he had all of them you'd have thought should have been playing and it was it was it was a um, it was almost a shame that we weren't being allowed to see some of the the talent that was on the bench because uh, uh, he would either he'd occasionally put on all the, all the subs and occasionally he would he just put them on in dribs and drabs and uh, um, uh, and he wasn't he wasn't um, loath to put on uh, a defensive lineup to keep the one or two nil that's we've established I think the fact that we soon became very aware that he was unlikely to allow the team if he felt that two nil was sufficient or one nil was sufficient he just tied up. Well, I mean, <laughs> one of the things that he was famous for during his time with us is that he was all about conserving energy so yeah. he would actually allow the opposition to have the ball to give our players a rest and regain their energy so they could hit them hard you know in the last stages of the game and we were so effective at that it's game management that's what he was all about game management and as i said you know early on we we all learned this and i think actually to the detriment of of Mourinho ultimately because we all knew you got you got into you know once once we'd had a few games like we had and you saw what was going on. You knew that if we were two 0 up, it was game over. And you could, you know, if I'd had a few before the game, <coughs> invariably I always had. You could have a bit of a, a drunken snooze in the second half because the game, the game was <laughs> over. But I think later on, you know, towards the end of Mourinho's career, that's when I think this false myth actually about it boring came about. Because actually, I don't think it was boring. It was just too easy. And I think there was no jeopardy there after a while. But I, I think people began to be jealous because they began to see what was happening. And also, you know, no other club had, had exchanged 13 players for 13 oh, no. players. No. So they're bound, bound to be jealous. I think, I think, I think, find a criticism to make to call the, the team boring. No, no, was, but I think, I think towards the were, end of his reign, a lot of Chelsea fans but, were beginning to say that. But they were doing it at this time as well. This the well, team was well. being boring at this time. Well, they were because it it, it had invariably been a one nil or a two nil. I mean, it was looking like Arsenal one nil to the Arsenal. Um, Mark, something else happened after the Liverpool game off the pitch. Yes, um, and credit must be given to Peter Kenyon on this because it's still going today. And as we'll record this show, one's taking place tonight. Kenyon came up with the idea of having a Chelsea fans forum. And the first meeting of the Chelsea Fans Forum took place, you know, the day of the Liverpool game. And, and interesting, I didn't appreciate it until I sort of like read back to his programme. Three, you know, one of them round up the 400, but 399 fans originally applied to go on the first Fans Forum. That's quite a decent number. 399 care enough about the club to get involved and want to be on the Fans Forum. And the first 16 fans were... Selected by ballot, they were they were random selected. The other thing I just want to add, pick up on your earlier point uh, about the unchanged side. There was a tiny bit of tinkering at the start by Mourinho. I think he's probably trying to find what's his perfect team, uh, and some of it was by default because Bridge got injured because uh, Babiara was playing at the start as well. Gallus and Terry were initially the centre defensive partners. Pairing, they were, weren't they? They yeah. were. And Cavalio was in and out of the side at the start because we mentioned earlier he came on as sub uh, in the first game and he didn't play in one of the Champions League games. Cavalio's now in the side beside Terry and Gallus is left back and Ferreira is right back. And Johnson doesn't get in. Yep, doesn't get a sniff. And he, this he becomes, plays in the FA Cup yeah. and League Cup. I think he gives yeah. him the, he gives him that. Uh, yeah, jo- Johnson probably plays half half the season, but I think, as you say, a lot of those games probably League and FA Cup. Um, 
But this almost becomes the defensive partnership for a large part of the season. You know, these four players um, become the backbone of defence along with Czech, why we did not concede many goals you know, over the course of this season. And it's, it's starting now. Yeah, this is the third game in a row. Mourinho's kept the same side. I mean, when you think about it, there have been very few, if any, better back fives that we've had at the club with Czech, uh, Gallas, Ferreira, Carvalho and Terry. I mean, you name, you name me a better back five we've had than that. I mean, at their peak, Paolo at his peak, which he was, Carvalho at his peak, which he was, Gallus at his peak, which he was. JT hadn't hit his peak yet, but was still phenomenal. And you could say the same about Czech. Maybe Ashley Cole. I give a lot of credit to Ashley Cole when he came to us. He, he was phenomenal yeah. for us. Jog, jog yeah. Gallus on, definitely. Yeah. You know. <laughs> we'll keep Paolo. We'll keep Paolo. <laughs> so he nearly, he nearly why... jogged off himself, didn't he? <laughs> it makes you realise why Gallus almost had an axe to grind, was he was slightly superfluous because he I think he thought he should have been playing centre half mm. and he was being he was being used as a kind of spare and then was frequently substitute mm. and uh, under Ranieri at least he figured in it well he not that anybody figured in any every game well, yeah, know, he got probably got fed up with playing centre forward under Ranieri didn't he yes, yes. but there you go right so we played 10 games we've won them all it's looking good right I've got drawn one drawn, no, drawn one two Drawn two. Okay, we're unbeaten. I'll, I'll, okay, scratch, rewind. We're unbeaten after 10 games. It's still looking very good. Uh, and then we go up to Cite, managed by Kevin Keegan, uh, on the 16th, Saturday, the 16th of October, uh, which was a horrible game, um, defined really by the aforementioned uh, Paolo Ferreira. It's horrible conditions. It's pissing down a rain, very slippery. And Ferreira kind of... I mean, I think he did foul an elk, actually, uh, but, but whatever, you know, Howard Webb gave a penalty and a yellow card. Uh, and Nicola Anelka, uh, t- you know, on 11 minutes, basically puts the penalty away and City are 1-0 up. Q uh, bombardment by Chelsea, uh, including Frank hitting the post, Ida missing an absolute sitter. But we lost uh, 1-0. This, I have to say, is the only league defeat we had of the entire season. And this really pisses me off. If If we'd had a bit more luck that night, we would have drawn that game or, or maybe even won it and we would have been uh, invincibles the season after Arsenal were invincibles and shut those arrogant fuckers up for the last 20 years or whatever it was, 15 years or so. But it was not to be. Uh, talking of Arsenal, um, as a result of this, they went five points ahead and they had a plus 15 goal difference. And you know what we were talking about, uh, about the boring, boring Chelsea? This is when questions were being asked, not just from the media and outside. A lot of us... We're also saying that because there were an awful lot of one nils, as I was saying, uh, and there were a, a distinct lack of goals. And of course, with Arsenal pummeling people all over the place with a fifteen, a plus fifteen goal difference, I suppose it was a bit of a worry at the time. How little we knew. Uh, anyway, uh, do you want to comment on that, boys, or should we? Well, yeah, apparently that we'd already had one hundred and eleven shots in all matches in comparison with Arsenal. And that was the stat that was wasn't being applied. Well, that, did you, the, the beautiful thing with Barnett's the, the spies interview with Mourinho, and he says, "Actually, I shall be very kind to you because I like you, and I, yeah. I won't be too hard on you." And, and Neil says, "Oh, I can take." It. He says, "Did you actually watch the games?" Yeah. And I just thought that was beautiful because that's the point, isn't it? He knew we were all, you know all over teams like a rash. We just needed yeah. a bit bit of luck or it to gel a bit more. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Great stuff. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> but where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper chels. Right, we then go to Moscow in the Champions League. Oh, sorry, we don't go to Moscow. They come to us. 2-0, we win. Uh, John Terry, another Champions League goal. Ida uh, scores on 45 minutes. Fairly routine win, really. Uh, two hugely great, brilliant saves by Padacek, though, Mark. Yep. Really good performance with two great saves by Czech. And again, Johnson with Drogba out, really sort of steps up on this. And, and you know, over the next few games, Johnson crops up quite often, scoring really important goals. And the next game is Blackburn Rovers, where he actually gets a hat-trick. He does. And but also the really nice good part goals, about Mark. this, yeah, really the nice part goals. about this is the goals, the goals he scored. But also, when he gets the penalty... Lampard was the penalty scorer and he gives him the ball to take the penalty, which I think is a nice touch. Yeah. This is the game where it really kind of, you know, the blue touch paper was lit, really. I mean, I know it was all about Ida and his hat trick and it was his first hat trick, apparently, ever. And he was very chuffed about that. Um, but Duffer really, I think, came into his own. And of course, Robin came on on 63 minutes. Uh, but there was some incredible football here, uh, you know, Joe Cole's ball to Ida for the first was absolutely sublime. Ricky Carvalho's long ball, you know, it was like like Thiago Silva does today, but it was absolutely on a sixpence, made it easy for Ida to make the second. Um, you know, and then Robin on his debut, as, as Mark said in his notes, you know, on 63 minutes, uh, that amazing Maisie run he made. It was, a, it was a real kind of sign of things to come with his, 
that first touch, the run, nearly ended in the goal, wasn't it, Mark? Those last 27 minutes, yeah, he, he comes on for his first appearance. And, uh, yeah, and obviously that run as well. But that last half hour, yeah, that important thing again, getting people's bums off seats, the amount of runs, he just got the ball each time and he just went at the Blackburn defence. And you see the noise level increase at Stamford Bridge every time he got the ball. It really was the shape of things to come. And I know we'll talk later when he gets his first goal. But Robin really then just takes off and he has this purple patch where he just gets the ball time and time again and just goes at the defence. Re- really sad at how it ended with Robin. I just thought he was a fabulous player for Chelsea. Well, I, I know because he talks about it at every single opportunity he can. But you, you JK, absolutely adored Iron Robin, didn't you? Wonderful. I mean, you nearly put him in all of your best ever Chelsea teams. I know that for a fact. Yeah. No. I, I, he, he, as you say, Mark, he he just set the crowd alight. Just quite phenomenal. He's the boy to set him alight, Robin. <laughs> set him alight. Set him alight. Chelsea. <laughs> that goes with oh, it's a corner. Oh, it's a corner. That one. But um, uh, but he but he, he was brilliant for Bayern. He was brilliant for Real Madrid. He was just brilliant and the. The um, um, but you, you'll see later on in one of the games where he gets chopped down and uh, I think it's the West Ham fullback um, squares up to him, suggesting he dived. And you look back at it and he he's been two footed tackled to the ground, but it was so easy then to to make him out to be a diver. And this, unfortunately, very much like Drogba, it came back to haunt him. But um, the the what the the main thing about the forward line and without about everything was the pace at which everything was done. The the and Robin was a perfect example. I mean, Duffer was just you know uh, similarly. To, you got the ball, break out of defence, and you're up the other end in seconds. They've just sprinted all with the ball at the speed and the skill, and they're sprinting past players and the finish. And, and the finish. Well, they're all anticipating where the ball's going to go yeah. because they know that's where it's going to go because they've been training for that. But it's it it's it it's the first time stuff and the um. It's it's so refreshing watching it as opposed to watching us play now with the, the you know the backward passes and stuff. I know defenses are are much stronger and and blocks and whatever, but the you get away from that with the pace that you you attack. And and Robin was the 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 perfect skillful example of that. And his ability to to curl the ball into the corner of the net as well as well as this the terrific shot. I mean, ultimately that that came his great strength playing for Bayern when he would just play on the right and wander in. And you knew that he would be able to, regardless of the state of the game and regardless of um, um, of, of whether the, the the opposition were defending well, it, it didn't matter. He could be 30 yards away. He would curl the ball into the corner of the net because his, his left foot was so cultured. It was absolutely brilliant. As you say, Mark, there was a the purple passage until he got injured at Blackburn. That pur- purple, um, that, how many games was it? Ten was absolutely phenomenal. It was joyous watching such a brilliant brilliant player and I was absolutely gutted when they got rid of him and it was because he'd been so injured and Kenyon thought that he was a liability but his father then put him on a series of strength training exercises and he excelled at Madrid and then Bayern snapped him up and he was um he was he was instrumental in them becoming the major major European force that they were and it makes you once again, think another player that got away that should never have been let go. He was so fantastic. And and as you say, Mark, the combination of him and Duffer was joyous, absolutely joyous. To- if you think about it again, I mean, you know, 
we all grow up with teams you know most of us could name the you know the 1970s best team most of us could name you know the the, the mid 80s team you know most of us could name you know the yeah. the mid 90s team yeah, yeah, yeah you know but you could name this team quite happily and it would be it would be as we said with the back five check uh yeah. you know um paulo ferreira gallas ricardo uh cavallo and, and terry Makaleli in front of them Ida or Joe Cole uh, and Lampard on the on the right, and then you've got Duffer, Drogba, Robin. I mean that that again, that's got to be one of the best teams we've seen. If you think about it, they're all wonderful. I'm getting choked up about it. Wonderful, you you know we don't wonderful wonderful players, Chidge. We don't Uh, talk uh, about this enough. That is arguably one of our greatest ever teams, right there. Absolutely brilliant. It just you accepted the joy. It's it's once again it's 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 seeing other teams be very good, but just not get anywhere near it. Anywhere near the 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 and it, whether it's it's the manager encouraging them, but I, I just thought they just played out of their skins all the time. But it was the the, the fact that they got the ball up the other end so quickly and so skillfully. The skill behind it, as we're saying, that every player was skillful. JT was skillful. Um, Ferreira was skillful. Cavalio, fantastically skillful defender. Um, and when Cole came in, of course, he, he took him to another level. But um, Wayne Bridge, very, very decent, you know, um, and got injured. And then Gallus, fantastically skillful. And there isn't anybody there where you go, oh, he's a bit of a plodder. I have to say, he bought Jarosic eventually in the rest of the, in the season because he felt that some teams were bombarding us and he wanted a taller player. And, he, and Jarosic was playing for, for CSK Moscow at this moment against us in the Champions League. And he obviously spotted him and, and bought him for January. But uh, and he wasn't wonderfully skillful. He was playing a role, which was he was quite competent at doing that as well. Um, Mourinho, he'd put somebody in if he wanted him to play a role in the same way that Robert Huth was in and out of the side. You're not saying he wonderfully skillful, but very decent player. But everybody in the best team you could pick for Chelsea this season was a star. And as you say, Jidge is a legend. Every single one of them. I, I mean, you know, it, I brilliant. think. In isolation, you know, just as a, as a not as a kind of a fantasy team that we would put together, but as a re- as a real eleven slash twelve, that stands up with any team we've ever had. I think it yeah. really does. Um, sadly, this didn't happen uh, in the next match, which was West Ham at home in the Carling Cup. Mark, did it? Yeah, no, ne- never like this. And we talked about previous shows. We we had to give up our seats. In the Matthew Harding okay. Lowe. Can and you have... remember why? Because I've been scratching my head to remember why, and I can't for the life of me. I, I, I think as it is now, as they give the shed for large allocations. So the allocation of West Ham had to be a decent allocation. So the only way they could address that was to give the, the, the Matthew Harding. So that's why they, they were sitting there. So you actually see the good point is obviously after many games of trying, and we talked about that importance of a striker, Getting a go at early doors, and Kesman had had lots of bad luck. Well, he'd been Mark, involved. Mark, in- Mark, I was going to say in the previous match, I forgot to say. Apart from all the brilliance that we saw, Kesman actually managed to hit the bar from two yards out. And of course, yeah, that's, we that's right. we were going to yeah. see a lot more of that, weren't we? So bless we, his heart, we, he actually scored in the next game. He, he, he did indeed, but he, he'd been involved for most of the games. I think he, he was coming on as a sub most games, and I think he started about four games. Um, but he actually gets the goal for Chelsea, which is good. And then late on, he actually gets fouled um, at the Matthew Harding end and wins the penalty for Lampard. So obviously, to the delight of the West Ham fans, who clearly weren't fans of Frank, you know, Frank unfortunately misses the penalty in front of them and gives them, gives them something to cheer about. 
but the, the, the nastier side of West Ham is Kesman gets hit by a coin and has, actually has to leave the pitch. Um, so he, I don't think he actually finishes the game. Did he have um, to spend but, a penny? Uh, I, I don't know if it was a penny. I think, you know, well, probably West Ham's only a penny. Um, yeah, but we had to play the, the last sort of like part of the game with, with 10 men. I think the other thing about this game as well is there was a 17-year-old lad called Mark Noble who came on a sub for West Ham United. You think that long ago? Mm. It's like, wow, it's like 19 years ago. And obviously Mark Noble's just finished playing for West Ham. Yeah, but he came on in this game. Um, and it was many, many years after before he became an established first teamer. But important win, should have won by more against the Happy Hammers. But we're through to the next round of the League Cup. Job done. This is the game where Repka accused Robin of diving when he'd actually clattered That's it. it. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and uh, this this confrontation that they had, it, it was almost because they were almost trying to... to I felt it was huge gamesmanship every time. It, it, you could foul him, but if you made, if you confronted him, they were trying to stop him from from dribbling into the penalty area, essentially, because Rep could obviously fouled him, and obviously, but that was the penalty that, that Frank then took. But um, you forgot. I, I have to say, I was unbelievably critical of Kesman all season because of things like hitting the bar from from two feet away, and yet he occasionally did the odd really good thing, yeah. and uh, like passing and um, really pinpoint pass, and he scored the odd goal, but it was. I think, unfortunately, uh, he was he was not a star amidst the stars, yeah. and that was the problem. He it, was he was not at the same level as the rest of them. He was he got in great positions, but yeah. he missed a hell of a lot of chances. Yeah. He rem, yeah. he remind I mean, you know, he he reminds me of Werner. We yeah. we didn't not like him because yeah. he put in a bloody shift, yeah. and he that we loved him yeah. when he scored. There was great joy, but at the same time, you felt it was slightly ironic. God, you know, God love God and Chelsea fans love a trier. Yeah. And, and he was definitely that. But I mean, the other thing, I, I had a soft spot for him because I, I, I had, I was, I was determined to. Well, I decided he looked like Baldrick, and uh, you know, <laughs> and I, I used to go around saying we've got Baldrick and Lord Percy playing for Chelsea because Ricky Carvalho looked like Lord Percy. I got mistaken for some bloke. Someone I was sitting at Spurs. I remember some chap said, "You said you should be on the pitch, mate. You're," he said, "You're Lord Percy. You're, you're Carvalho, aren't you?" And I said, "I don't look anything like uh, um, uh, Tim McInerney or." Or Carvalho. He said, yes, you do, mate. Yeah, you do. He said, you should be on there. Are you sure you're not actually him and you're just moon- moonlighting sitting in the stands? He said to me. Uh, around but- that time, I went to uh, a lunch with some friends of ours. and One of them's a, a, a theatre person. And oh, yes. uh, Tim McInerney was, was one, of, one of the fellow guests. I got talking to him and I, I, said, I said, mate, you look like Ricky Carvalho. He, <laughs> he, he was not amused. <laughs> Did he know who Ricky Cavallio was? No, he didn't. He had no idea who he was, did he? No. I said, no, you I'm, do. You I'm, look, you look the spit of Ricky Carvalho. I, say. He says, I was in the National Youth Theatre with, with Tim, so uh, I can call him Tim. So, uh, Tim, darling. Did you call him darling? Yeah. Oh, don't darling, darling. I call him, <laughs> I've known him, I, call, I call him love, actually. Oh, <laughs> you fucking lovies are all the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thankfully, normal service was resumed in the next match, which happened to be away to West Bromwich Albion. And uh, guess uh, we, we've already said that, haven't we? Because Kesman. Oh no, I'm I'm reading the wrong line, like a twat. Uh, yeah, four goals, four goals to one. Lovely stuff. Uh, Gallus, Good Johnson, Gera, Zoltan Gera, the wonderfully named Zoltan Gera scored a cracker actually, and then Duffer on 59 and Lamps on 81. All pretty easy. 
easy fare for us. Uh, and that was the end of October. A couple of things that have no. I mean, we, we're, we're still in second position in the league, by the way, to the Arsenal. Uh, other notable things at the end of this month, uh, Adrian Mutu uh, was sacked, finally Sack. sacked after a positive drug test. He was uh, caught, caught, caught snorting the old Bolivian marching powder and was summarily uh, sacked after a, a drug test. I think it was probably still at Harlington in those days. I don't think we'd moved to Cobham. It was, yet. it was. It was, it was yeah. We, we moved to Cobham just before the Christmas of this season. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that JT, Frank Lampard and Ida all signed contract extensions, which was a lovely thing to see. So we now go into November. We've got an away uh, Champions League tie against uh, Suska Moscow. Um now, this is quite interesting, actually, because I know you were talking about him earlier, but Ian Robin scores, 24 minutes, uh, and then, then one of their players, a chap called Love, would you believe? Wagner Love. That's, that's, that's a made-up name. That is so a made-up name. The other, the other thing about Moscow is, uh, obviously, they've got Jiri Yarosik playing for them, uh, and we, we, we did what is such a classic Chelsea thing. We liked him so much, we bought him. But also, un, under the wire, Yuri Zerkov. Yeah. Yes, he, he played in that game, yeah. yeah. We bought him a few years later. He, I, I quite liked him. Uh, anyway, Love Love missed the penalty. Uh, he walloped it right over the bars. A horrible penalty. Um, now, here we go. Um, the point about this that I wanted to make, you see, because we had good Johnson, right, who we loved. But I, I never liked Glenn Johnson. I used to call him bad Johnson. And uh, the reason why was was exemplified by an absolutely pitifully bad challenge in the penalty area, which led to said penalty by love. So there we go. Um, the only other I, thing... I, go on, go on. No, I think he was a perfect example of somebody not playing very well in a very good team. So he stood out because mm. I hated him as well. Did you call him never, bad Johnson like me? I was never as witty as that, Chidge. I couldn't <laughs> deal with that. Flattery there, will get you everywhere. There's one uh, There's one game which I, I made a note of where... Um, the ball is kicked towards him and he tries to chest it down and he falls over <laughs> and uh, and the ball went um, and i remember i remember i remember that that actually happening i remember at the time because it got me out of my seat and because it was um he chested it down to the opposition player who blasted over uh, and when they should have scored and I, and i i just got up and said you know look you know useless useless get him off worst player worst player we've got and and i felt he he um he, the thing of beauty that the team was at the time was impaired by having him playing because he wasn't up to their standard. He was a terrible defender, decent coming forwards. And what was so bizarre was he was being selected for England at the time, which I, which, which, which sort of told you more about the way England were being set up than than about uh, anything else. But um, he 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 was he was he never ever quite succeeded in in fulfilling his promise that he'd shown from West Ham. Did Glenn Johnson? No. And and I think I think rightly so. He hardly played at all this season. He played in all the um. He played about twenty five games, didn't he? He played yeah, in twenty twenty two games. Yeah, he played in the he played in the cup. He played in the league cup and the FA Cup and the odd other game when there were injuries. But he did. He was a he was not up to the same standard of Ferreira. He was not up to the same standard of uh, um. Well, that was it. That was his replacement, wasn't it? Ferreira was Ferreira was ahead of him in the pecking order. Quite right too. I mean, the other thing is. Uh, other than Bad Johnson, there was some superb link-up play between Duffer and Robin for his first Chelsea goal, actually, uh, Mark. Robin's first uh, Chelsea goal. It was, yeah, in, in the snow of Moscow. I, the other thing I want to add, because we are just talking about it, I've just looked up Adrian Mutu. Yeah. 
Where is he now? He's now a manager. No way. I was about yeah. to say in prison. No, I know. Yeah. yeah. Who's he managing? Yeah. He's managing Rapid Bucharest in Romania. All right. Well, they would be rapid with his coke habit, wouldn't they? <laughs> he, did he ever pay any of the 19 million? I was going to ask the same question, JK. Oh, did he ever? Because there was litigation back and forth. Um, I don't know if he ever paid. The, I don't think he's ever paid the money back yet. Because it's been through in the court. The other thing I want to say, he's now married to the a former Miss Romanian contestant. And they have a son together. What's his son's name? Shutu. Frank. Tiago. No way. Maybe that was yeah. the father. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It says here in the article... Um, um, he, he he was still appealing as far as recently as 2018. Wow. So he may not have paid a penny back to Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's have a look. Um, the club and players have been in and out of the courts ever since, with the latest ruling in October 2018 throwing out Mutu's latest appeal. Mm. So he may, he may never pay the money back. Yeah, we now got new owners. We might have to tell Mr. Bowley, you know, there's, a, there's about 15 million owed to us by Adrian Mutu. <laughs> Yeah. Astonishing. Astonishing. Uh next up, Everton away, uh one nil. Um significance about this game. Another, you know, basically Robin scores his second goal in two games and seventy two minutes. It was a fantastic volley. And we went to the top of the league, JK, and we stayed there for the rest of the season. Whoop, 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 so there we go, from the sixth of November. The goal was uh, a, a beautiful example of of um of how to kick away from defence because Carvalho by the corner flag plays it down the line to Kesman who does a decent bit of skill by just playing it back to Good Johnson who then puts Robin through. The other thing about um, Ida was his ability to pass as well in the same as Frank on a, on a sixpence. He just puts um, Robin through. And the advantage of having somebody as quick as Robin, you can just play you know, a yard ahead and you'll get it. There's almost no such thing as a bad pass to somebody as quick as Robin. And he got there and he just he dinked in beautifully. The other thing that Robin was beautifully capable of was scoring from obscure angles. So you, he'd get to the, t- the the touchline and you'd think, well, he's lost the chance now. And he just accurately just play the place the ball into the net. Um, so I, I'm waxing so lyrical about him. He, he was an absolutely fabulous player. He was. He was. Um, only for this period, of course, because then, unfortunately, people liked kicking him as as the other great player of, uh, of our era. He's he, Eden Hazard had as well. Any, they all try to kick people who are good because they're not as good as them. No, exactly. It was ever thus. I mean, he has a good run for us. and it's, it, He's got a way to go yet before he gets crocked again. Uh, he scores again in the next game, which is away at Newcastle uh, in the Carling Cup. Uh, uh, this one, though, Mark, went to extra time, didn't it? So it was a bit, bit tedious. Nil-nil after 90 minutes until Ida uh, scores on 100 minutes and Robin on 112. Well, good win, winning after extra time. Newcastle never, as we know, to our cost a few weeks ago before we had our our break for the World Cup. Um, Newcastle not an easy place to go to go and win there an extra time. Big win, and we played really well actually, as Joe yeah, Jose recognised. Plays Carlo uh, in this in this fixture. Carlo, Carlo plays throughout the competition, doesn't he? He does, but don't ruin the punchline. Don't ruin I, I the punchline. I won't. I won't. I won't. Yeah. I won't do a spoiler. It yeah. does involve Newcastle. That's the only teaser I'm prepared to give. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very sadly, two days later, um, one of our number sadly passed away. Keithy Weller, wasn't it, Mark? Yeah, great player, and I think, and I think Tim has covered this in his books. 
and talking about the players of the era, things really start to go wrong for Chelsea Football Club after that successful period in 1970, 1971, and then the League Cup final in 72, when Keith Weller left. And many of those ex-players said the worst thing that Dave Setson ever did was sell Keith Weller. He was, he was a tremendous player. And he still holds the record to this day for the fastest ever goal scored, I think, by a Chelsea player. He does indeed. Nine, nine seconds. Can't remember. It was very. It was a very quick goal. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Wasn't it? You yeah. loved Keithy Weller, didn't you, J.K.? I remember when we did the '71 show, and you you said exactly what Mark was saying that him going was the start of the rot, really, wasn't it? Uh, but you know, you you don't understand what's going on at that at that stage, and you, you you want explanations. Why why do you sell one of the best players? Why do you sell one of the most exciting players? Why do you sell somebody who, once again, to use your expression, Mark, gets you off your seat? And Weller had that ability fantastic winger great precision shooting as well and putting people in as well another fabulous player well the 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 iron robin of his day in a funny sense yeah Yeah. the the ability that our 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 club has had in the past i'm sure every club has the same of selling somebody who is your favorite is just it's eviscerating you know it it wrenches your guts by the way there was a period where people didn't know how to pronounce iron robin's name and he got called arge by a lot of people i remember yeah i do yeah, I do. Uh, of course, Keithy Weller had a great song too. I can't remember it, Judge. Tell me. Keithy, Keithy Weller, Keithy Weller, Weller, Keithy Weller, Weller on, on the wing. wing. Yeah, it annoyed me how simple it was. Yep, there you go. Sailor, Ayla, Taylor, Ayla, Sailor, King, Gang, Gooly, 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 Watcher, King, Gang, Shut up. What it was. I hated that. All right. Talking of King, Gang, we We go to Fulham, Fulham next in the Premier League. Um, and uh, again, you know, we managed to crack another because this is the interesting thing about this season. It's, it seemed to be either one nil or four or four something. You know, it, we scored four goals in an incredible amount of matches and one nil in an incredible amount of matches. But uh, Lampard set the ball rolling with a cracking free kick. I mean, an absolute blaster from about thirty yards out on thirty-three minutes. The wonderfully named and size of a huge refrigerator, Papa Booba Diop. Scored an even more cracking volley on 57 minutes to make it one all. Uh, Robin scores again. So that's now what? One, two, three, four games in a row he scores. He le- The best thing about this, this this is a, you know, if, 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 this was be- if this were today, somebody would have clipped this up and made a meme out of it. He left three defenders on their arse. They had no fucking idea what he was going to do next. It was hilarious. Gallus makes it uh, three, uh, one on 73 and Thiago finishes it off. On a, header on, a header on one knee, Gallus. Yes, he was. It came across, and he just stooped down to head it in. Okay. Um, I, I went with my Fulham mate, and he said, "He said Chelsea going to win the league." He said, "They're the best team I've, I've seen for, for years." He said, "And Robin, he said, is absolutely phenomenal. Robin was phenomenal in this game, and he because he set up um, Thiago for the fourth goal with a back heel. It, it, it's just the the vision of all these. We absolutely took them to the cleaners." And I remember an actor called Ray Brooks, who I'd been working with, from who was in. Um, he he think, was the voiceover for Mr. Ben. He was, and he, I think he was in. Was it Kathy? And, come and home? rhubarb and custard. Yeah, Kathy come home. Yep. Kathy yep. come home. Not in, not in, as in, important as Mr. Ben or rhubarb and custard. And I, said, I know Kathy um, come home. Very important piece of historical. Yeah, was, was, yeah. He was a terrific actor. <laughs> and, I, he, and I said to him <clears throat> after the game, he was a Fulham fan. And I said, Ray, and I'd done several voiceovers with him, and he'd always been very pleasant and friendly. And I said, Ray, 
Ray, um, lovely to see you. And he said, fuck off, you and your fucking buying the league. Fuck off. <laughs> and walked off. That's not the kind of thing Mr. Ben would say. No, it's no, if funnily enough, Mr. Mr. Ben would have probably said, I'm going to go into this wardrobe now, wouldn't he have yeah. said that? And, and uh, like, it's the kind of thing that is the kind of thing that rhubarb would have said or custard the cat. Oh, with the custard, I didn't, yeah, it wasn't one of my favourite. Um, but then, but, you know, you, you could have got your own back a year later or, or a couple of years because he, he wasn't, he, he was in EastEnders as well. Yeah. He yes, killed he Paul, he killed Pauline Fowler. Yeah. yeah. Bastard. Oh. But not, not really, folks, it was acting. Uh, anyway, Fulham, Fulham gets stuffed four ones. So they can fuck off with their fucking off, if you see what I mean. Uh, the other notable thing, um, there are two notable things, one from Mark in a minute, uh, uh, but uh, I liked this a lot, not least because it's tinged with quite a lot of irony with the uh, beauty of hindsight. But on this very evening, Jose Mourinho praised the Chelsea away support to the hilt says that they were fantastic but he says you know start please can you sing the players names not mine it's the players that need the support not 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 me of course many years later we will absolutely rip him to pieces for slagging us off repeatedly for not supporting the team or being loud enough but in those days everything in the garden was rosy lee mate but there you go uh mark what what other notable point do we need to know about this is actually very notable i think yeah, and it's it's quite timely as well because if you follow Ian Roger on Twitter, he's been tweeting. I think was it today or yesterday about all the different badges and what badge were Chelsea playing under when you first became a fan. And and this week, um, the new administration make a significant shift. They get rid of the previous owner's badge, for many times the Ken Bates badge or the Millwall badge, and they they don't bring back the old badge. But they do as near as damn it with the, the new design they create um, in 2004, very reminiscent of the old sort of 1970s badge. And actually, what they make reference to this in the programme at the time. I think Bruce Buck does or Kenyon does. I think it was Buck. Um, DJ had actually done a petition, you know, I think through, um, through the fanzine back then. And he got several thousand signatures about bringing the old badge back. And I think he'd even written a song called Bring Back Our Line to Us as well. So DJ did a, a, sort of a really sort of phenomenal campaign about encouraging the new owners. And they listened. And maybe they wanted to get rid of the badge anyway because it was a Ken Bates badge. But they listened and they brought in a badge, which I think, to their credit, you know, I think most people will be quite happy having that badge on their shirt, where many others may not have been as happy as having the old Millwall badge on their shirt. Mm, there we go. Well done, DJ. Um, and he had a song, didn't he? Because DJ always has a song. Yeah, I think it was called Bring Back, Bring Back. Oh, bring back our lion to us, to us. There we go. Because right. it was, the, the previous badge was very simple, wasn't it, indeed? Horrible it badge. Millwall badge. Yes, it was. Bloody right. baits. Yeah. Uh, okay, next match was rather weird. I was drunk. Yeah. Sorry, JK. No, I guess in the current badge, uh, which we, we, we still have, has the other colours in it as well, which were were traditional the red and the yellow as well little yeah. bits which, which always appealed you know? yeah no it was lovely it's, old it, 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 it's it's a good record it's not the original badge because obviously it's not bad Elka Duggan, Elka Duggan retains the rights to that but it's not bad no it's not is that why they didn't use the uh, original badge yeah. because of El, El... why if Kadugan's got the rights to it and he he's not letting them go anytime soon well why why has he done that 
he owns the badge. He owns he owns the copyright. Did, and did he design it? Did he design it? Uh, I don't know whether he designed. Didn't it, know he was a graphic designer. No, but it's 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 in it's in his name. It is registered as a trademark. I understand. And also, Cadogan was um, on the original board with yeah. Brian Mears, yeah. uh, and I think he was one of the ones who sold his shares to Marler Estates. What a wanker! Allegedly. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's no love lost. Sorry, between... sorry, your earlship. <laughs> the good Earl and Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. So he wasn't Kinnell. going to do us any favours anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, talking of nobody doing us any favours, I went to this match, Bolton. Bolton near the bottom of the league, Sam Allardyce. Decent team, actually, to be fair. Bolton were no idiots at this time uh, uh, of the Premier League. I was so looking forward to a, a lovely stuffing. I was nice and relaxed. I'd, uh, as Tony Glover would say, I was socially relaxed. Three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. What's not to like? Uh, Bolton and in particular Kevin Davies was not to like it was all going so well Damien Duff opened scoring uh, on one minute Tiago made it 2-0 on 48 then it all kind of unraveled somewhat Kevin Davies scored on 52 minutes uh, a classic Kevin Davies goal all decent player change very yeah, decent all big ass and fat I hated him mate I yeah. hated him he was all elbows and knees throwback throwback to a Nat a Lofthouse different era, different era. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very much, and yet, um, would 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 do something for you, you know? Would, would score a late goal, would score yeah. a scrappy goal, got in there, um, was was possibly illegal in his uh, attempts to get the ball, oh, but no, possibly about it, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He had the yeah. biggest ass I've ever seen in a, on a football play. His ass was illegal. Completely. His ass was the size of a small fucking country, mate. It was <laughs> an illegal country, and an illegal <laughs> country, exactly. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Anyway, he scores on 52 minutes. It's 2-1. No problem for the mighty Chelsea under Jose Mourinho. We're flying. What's not to like? We're, not, we're top of the league. Da, 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 da. Uh, and, then, uh, and then JD uh, scores on 87 minutes and it all goes to shit and it ends up 2-0. I mean, I know... Davies punched the ball in the box as well, which the referee well, missed. Well, exactly that. Um, I mean, they did clear one off the line and Ida hit the bar. But, you know, it, it, I remember leaving that game absolutely crestfallen it felt like it was a massive shock obviously but it felt like a defeat i was absolutely crestfallen after that do you remember that you and me both completely yeah. awful yeah yeah really put pissed me off actually you know i was nice and drunk and happy and then i felt terrible the dreadful thing that we're so used to them being completely fabulously excellent yeah. we've got to the stage we want them to win every game yeah. and so we can actually go to everybody fuck you yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want three games we're uh, fucking loaded la, 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 yeah. La, yeah. exactly exactly chelsky 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 i actually bought a chelsky hat i can't believe it what, one of those uh, russian hats no, no, no. It was just a baseball hat with Chelsky okay. written on it. All right, fair enough. But it, they've sold officially in the club shop. Oh, you know. No, I know, I know. No, nobody was asking Roman where he was from then. Uh, funny enough, no, at the time, no. Political joke for you all. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, we, we've got Paris Saint-Germain at home. I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go there, though, Chief. I was careful with how I presented it, I felt. You expressed it very well. Yeah, yeah well done. Um, yeah, uh, we've got PSG next up in the UCL. Nil-nil. Uh, I mean, nothing to write home about, really. Uh, Charlton next away. Great match. 4-0. Stuffed them out of sight. Duffer on four. John Terry, two goals. 47 and 50 minutes. Ida finishes it off on 59 minutes. Babiaro's final appearance. And then to round November off, we get Fulham again, who, of course, only a few weeks before we've stuffed 4-1 up at the cottage. And uh, we get them in the Carling Cup. And uh, not as easy as the first game was, but we, we win quite easily, really. 55 minutes, Duffer opens the scoring. Uh, 
Brian McBride uh, on 74 minutes equalises for Fulham and Lamps gets the winner. So a bit squeaky bum at the end on 88. But I, I don't think that that really tells us the story of our dominance in it, really. One other thing I will say about Fulham, I kind of I had a soft spot for this Fulham team at the time. And the reason was because they had they had the uh, the um, the well-known actor from the Avengers playing for them, Steed Malbronk. Uh, and they had Collins John. I mean, they they were they were they were a side of stupid Elvis Hammond. I mean, they were a side full of stupid names. Didn't they even have? Didn't they have at one time John Collins and Collins John playing for them? Have yeah. I just imagined that? Now John well, Collins, they did. they did they did sign John Collins. He did play in the midfield. Yes, and yeah. the, at the same time as Collins John. I mean, they're time. taking the piss, aren't they, J.K.? <laughs> I was once interviewed by a young director for a film called Vad. Um, called Vadim Roger. Did he play for Fulham? And uh, I, I, was, I should have asked him that. And, of course, he, that was Roger Vadim, who was a very well-known d- French director of the time. And yet nobody wanted to say to him, excuse me, if you just, isn't, isn't that just a well-known director when you've just reversed the, the names? And then I met another one called Stone Oliver. And I thought, come on. <laughs> You're taking the piss, mate. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Is this, the, is this, is this going through the interview with yeah. this thought Come you on. got really, really worried when you got interviewed by Scorsese Martin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, quite. So there we go. Bottom line is, uh, you know, we're into the next round of the Carling Cup, which, of course, will be the quarterfinal. We finished uh, November still in uh, the first position in the league, which is what, what matters most. Uh, we're into December and um, we've got Newcastle at home, Mark. Yes, Um Remember, remember, we're normally shit in December. I thought uh, it was but, November, to be fair. Although we, ta- we take turns, some, we some good November, some good December, or some bad, bad one. This was a tremendous performance. You know, uh, considering the first half was goalless, it was a really frustrating first half. Shea Given was playing well for Newcastle. But in the second half, we just swamped Newcastle. Really good second half performance. Again, very good goal scored. And actually, once more, Despite being our penalty taker, Lampard once again, it's a game one at 3 0, um, gives Kesman the opportunity to take a penalty. Um, I thought that because, Jose had, had guided him to do that. Oh, was it Jose? He, he, even better, better then. And you know, Kesman again, he's just having no luck. He hits the bar twice in this game. Yeah, him and the crossbar, you know, on first name terms during the course of the season. But re- really nice touch to give Kesman a penalty. But to his credit, Kesman does Penenka. Yes, yeah, he does. Yeah, really, really cheeky, cheeky penalty. But I think the other thing as well, you know, is the run by Robin. Yeah, we've said this many times. He got the ball, he got people out of sit. His run for his third goal was just really, really special. And then again, another run for the fourth goal, the penalty which Kesman converts. Just defenders couldn't cope with him. So the only way they stopped him was they fouled him. Robin won us a lot of penalties over the next couple of seasons. So did Duffer. Duffer as and well. So did Duff. Yep, yep, true. Yeah, he did indeed. And uh, uh, the last uh, game in the Champions League group stages uh, was upon us, which was Porto away. Again, uh, Jose going back home in a sense. Um, Yeah, qualification was already absolutely, you know, assured. There was no danger of that. Um, It was was an annoying match, I think, this. I mean, there were some great goals in it, uh, not least from uh, Duffer and uh, Porto's Diego. So, it was 1-1 after 60 minutes and we were kind of managing the game out in a classic uh, Mourinho uh, style uh, And then uh, up popped uh, Benny McCarthy on 85 minutes to 
to win the game for Porto. Interestingly enough, the winner being supplied by a cross by some some player called Charisma Mark. Ever heard of him? Mm, I have. Yes, it, this is really, really frustrating. Um, went, went, went over to Porto, um, first time there. Uh, and again, I think many people listening to this will have been to Porto at some stage while they're supporting Chelsea. Many of them might have been in the Champions League final. But it's a great, it's a great city, Porto. You can probably do it in a day as a tourist. So you do the tourist stuff, you walk about, you go down to the port. Uh, and then we then headed up to the ground. We found this lovely bar near the Estado Drago uh, and then headed in. And the interesting thing I found about the Estado Drago, beautiful hot day, but it's bloody cold in the evening there. It was really cold. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful day. Um, so most people just there with sort of short sleeves. They, they, were, they were a bit cold. We had this game wrapped up. But then second half, I don't know what happened. So Porter came back with it. Their fans do make a lot of noise. They gave a really good reception to Mourinho. No, no spitting at him this time. Uh, and you made reference to it. Yeah, Charisma was playing. Uh, Manish was playing for Porto, another future Chelsea player. And they had someone called Bozinga on the bench. I think Kresma, I think he played more times at Porto against us than he actually did for Chelsea. I think the other thing I remember about this game, and it was sort of like a, a running theme, and we talked about it many years earlier, about fancy dress, and then it stopped happening at away games. There's a guy called Dave McCrossan. And like Dave McCrossan had this um, flag that just took everywhere in European games and all away games. And all it just says on it is John Terry's Barmy Army. And that went everywhere during the course of this season and many other seasons. And for some reason, each different European game, they did fancy dress. So they might have been sort of like repeating what we've done in many years before. And they dressed as teddy boys for this game. So this unique thing, or like everyone's there in their sort of sun, short sleeve tops, etc. And these is half a dozen guys dressed as teddy boys, which is very, very funny. And I'm sure... It might have been the PSG game. I'm sure it might have been the PSG game. They turned up to Paris, or might have been the previous season. They dressed as Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. Now, for, for, it, it, it died out, but for a couple of years then, you know, Dave and his mates were sort of like dressed in his fancy dress at all European games. Brilliant. I, I've got a brilliant. picture of them with the flag dressed as Crusaders. Do you remember yeah, them? Yeah, that's it. They, they did different things, Jake. Yeah. yeah. They always had the flag, and they were in, they were in fancy dress. Yeah. Yeah, utterly brilliant, utterly brilliant. Um, around this time, actually, Mark was mentioning it earlier, but the uh, new Cobham training, state-of-the-art new Cobham training ground opened. So, uh, thankfully, uh, one of, you know, I mean, it, 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 you know, at the time we didn't really see the importance of it. But if you think about it, um, it was always Roman Abramovich's intention to to get us out of that shithole that was Harlington and provide us with a training ground uh you know that was commensurate with our status as an elite football club but if you think about it you know in terms of the the roman era you know we have great characters like jt and frank lampard didier drogba Pedacek, roman abramovich jose Mourinho. cobham is in this in a way it's also a character i think it, it it's for me cobham is is synonymous with roman and i think when we you know, when we do, when some, when whoever replaces us does shows like this in about, about 20, 30, 40, 50 years time, I think they'll be talking about Cobham in those kind of tones, actually. It's a, it was a real game changer for us. And it, and it opened in December 2004, JK. Well, was this um, originally the, the piece of land that um, Bates had bought? 
or was it a separate one? Because I remember I Bates, Bates bought a golf club and uh, attempted to make it into um, the the training facilities. But I think most of the um, the local um, civilians, neighbourhood, um, uh, voted against it. They complained to the council. They didn't want that kind of person uh, taking over their their green and pleasant land. Um, so I just wondered whether that was something that had been going before. Do you know about that, Mark, or was this a completely new uh, setup? Because I remember I Bates had, had bought something before. And there was a period where Bates was actually going to take over the Hur not the Hurlingham Club, the piece of ground outside the Hurlingham Club with Fulham's blessing. That was going to be the uh, the training facilities. So he tended to have a um, a kind of roving um, uh, an ability to to say somewhere was going to be the the actual club and, uh, and and then nothing happened with it. I just I was under the impression that he'd actually bought this land there. And to, I to be honest, you, you, you might be right because Cobham is in Spellthorne. Um, so they would have had to put a planning application into Spellthorne Council and the wheels all sort of like planning can sometimes sort of like time. Take, take a while. If you think yeah. the ground redevelopment Chelsea was like a three-year process and especially things get called in and local residents object in appeal, so I wouldn't have ruled out that maybe Bates started the ball rolling by acquiring the land over which is now Cobham. I think it's probably worth us researching, looking back on that. And it went through a process. A brand which comes in, picks up the baton and gets the planning application done and gets approval. Well, there we go. I didn't know that. Interesting stuff. Um, now, uh, arguably, arguably one of the most important matches of the season, bearing in mind we're top of the league, um, not too far clear uh, of, uh, of of everybody else at this stage. Five points. Five five, points. Thank you. Five points clear of Arsenal, yeah? Yeah. Uh, who we have next? Away. Now, everybody who's been listening to these 50 years shows recently will know my abject despair at our inability to beat Arsenal until that wonderful, uh, you know, match in the uh, quarterfinal of the Champions League last season in 2003-04 when it was Wayne Bridge's goal that sent us out of control and Arsenal out the Euro 2-3-4, JK. Yeah. So um, anyway, I mean, we had a shit record against Arsenal, as we all know. Um, in the library. In the in the in, in the, the library. Library shit hole. The library yeah. library. Yes, indeed. Uh, anyway, it looked like it was collapsing around our lug holes uh, after two minutes when Thierry Henry scored a cracking goal. Actually, it has to be said. Uh, JT equalises, so it's one all after seventeen minutes. Then, then this happened. Oh. Fucking hell! They get a free kick, which was debatable, uh, to, to be honest. Um, and what what happened? Uh, who wants to describe the the shambles of a clusterfuck that happened next? Well, it's it's Graham Pole, isn't it? That is actually his name. He did change it by Depole to Graham Pole as a fucking arsehole. Did you not know that? He was forced to because people were yeah. too many people were calling him that. Um, uh, he he. What normally happens in those situations is they always say, "Wait for my whistle," don't they? When it's a free kick just outside the penalty area, and Good Johnson is standing over the free kick, and I remember this really well. <laughs> so pissed me off, and um, uh, and he, um, I think he said apparently, you know, are, are you going to take it? Are we going to have to wait for the whistle? Are you going to blow for this? And Paul said yes. So he turned round and started directing the Chelsea players directing the wall. And in that moment, Henri just kicked the ball towards the goal. And uh, and Czech was similarly standing there waiting for uh, the wall to be created because he was under the impression that the the, the, the whistle would be blown. And uh, Pole gave the goal and ran towards the centre circle. 
and uh, the debate that then ensued amongst whether or not you know Pearl was worse than an asshole was uh, was was audible. Um, people just in despair about what on earth was he doing because he'd said one thing to the players and then allowed them to get away with another thing. Mm. So uh, you made you feel that he was biased. Weirdly. Weird. Strange. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, who knew? I mean, you know, Ida got one back on 46 minutes and then it was a bit of a kind of a uh, kind of a heavyweight boxing match thereafter and it ended up two all. But I think it was a massive result at the time, given Arsenal's hoodoo over us, I think. And we did go toe to toe with them. According to JT, Jose bollocked them at half time and they just basically didn't take a step backwards after that. Uh, the upshot being we had still never beaten Arsenal at Highbury in the Premier League which for me is telling. But... All the media described it as Judgment Day, as if somehow oh, that's, that's right. yeah, 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 going to be yeah. the big the big event um, that would shape the whole of the rest of the season. Of course, it was far too early for that. It was ridiculous. Well, J- J- Jose took the piss out of it, didn't he, in the presser, yeah. if you remember, saying it's, it's three points. That's it. Yeah. It's not Judgment Day. It's very funny. Anyway, uh, next we've got, oh, my God, the Norwich game, Mark, at home, next match. Wow. Probably one of the best home performances that season. Really tremendous game done by half time, three 0 up by half time, but four very good goals in this game. Lampard's goal, yeah, the second goal in the game, incredible thirty yard top top corner. But the the best goal, yeah, and it's hard to choose because some really good goals in this game. The, the you know the, the the best goal is this lovely move, like for you know for Robin's goal. Um, it's like a a back heel by Lampard for Thiago. He takes one touch, flicks it up, and Robin volleys it in. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Robin goal. started it out on the wing, by the way. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. He starts yeah. it and he, he finishes it. Um, and like three goals at the shed in the first half. Norwich is completely, completely blown away. And probably no surprise they got relegated that season. Again, you know, 4-0. Probably a bit of maybe, as we said earlier, Mourinho encouraging just to ease up that opposition have possession of the ball. At half-time at 3-0, you wondered how many goals you were going to get. That was a tremendous 45 minutes. We, we were only allowed to score four. You know that. Well, yeah, as we that said earlier, we, yeah, we, we only seemed to score four goals and win games by four or one in that season. Yeah. Mm. That God, was the rule. Yeah. The fourth goal was at another corner. The ability to score from set pieces was similarly fantastic. We could take a corner. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, Frank was taking them, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 And... Uh, Drogba was banging him in. If it wasn't Drogba, it was JT. You're right. We we did very... I mean, Mourinho really, you know, got to grips with our set pieces. And you're right. We scored a lot of goals from them. That that goal by Robin, boys, is without doubt one of the best goals I've ever seen at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. It's an amazing goal. Without question. Goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Just that one touch. Back heel flick volley. Wonderful stuff. And, you know... I, I, think, I think JK would probably call that a bat. It was a bap. Was it a bap? Was it a bap or a wap? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you, you have to bap it in. Yeah, he bapped yeah. it, it in, didn't he? It goes, yeah. goes, tick, goes tick, 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 bap. bap. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it would be. Tick, 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 flick, bap. That yeah, would be. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it was just a really special goal, and, and uh, I was privileged, privileged to see that. Um, Right, uh, to uh, just kind of wrap up the end of the year, really. Uh, sadly, Ricky Carvalho, who'd been kind of manfully trying to play with a broken toe for a few games, succumbed to it, and he would be out until February. And uh, Scotty Parker uh, had got a broken foot, so he was out. I don't think he played for us again, if I'm correct. Um, but they the whole of the season. He'd been in and out anyway. Yeah. He didn't really figure much in no, uh, no. in his 
in Mourinho's plans, no. which showed you the, the strength of the first team. Because really. he wasn't a bad player, Scotty Parker. A good player, decent good player. player. Good player, yeah. yeah. I mean, he had a good career when he went off to Spurs, didn't he, in Fulham, I think? West Ham. West Ham. Yeah, he had a good career, but he wasn't. You know, it was. It was. He's playing, playing for England. Exactly, all but it was. I think, in a way, it just showed you how times were changing, that we were getting so many good foreign players coming into the league, and he wasn't up to that level. No. Simply, uh, we then have Villa away. I think this was the Boxing Day fixture. Home, 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 home. We're at home. So I would I, I, honestly, when I write these scripts, I clearly get a bit dyslexic. We drew nil nil away. I know you're dead right. I don't know why. I pressed the wrong button. Sorry, people, press the wrong button. Anyway, Villa at home, Boxing Day. Uh, again, a tough match. Villa were a tough nut to crack in those days. Uh, Duffer scores on 30 minutes. It ends one nil. What's interesting to me, you know, it just shows you the Im- impact. That, that Mourinho and the, the the team he built had, which has effectively gone on for the next God knows how, well, I'd say until, <clears throat> until the, the wheels started falling off a bit under arguably Sarri. Um, the, at that time, that was only the fourth Boxing Day win we'd had in 60 years. Now, if you, up till about three or four years ago, we just always won on Boxing Day. That's what we did. It was never an issue. But at that time, it just shows you how crap we were usually on Boxing The fourth win mark on a Boxing Day in 16 years. That is an incredible stat. really is. Yeah. But it always used to be a standing joke, you know, that people rock up on Boxing Day. People say, oh, they were probably out on the piss last night. Yeah. Well, they probably were, weren't they? But... <laughs> but yeah, Mourinho changed all that. He did. Yeah, literally, yeah. Regularly used to win going forward. Well, I mean, you know, going back to the Arsenal game where admittedly we only drew and we still hadn't beaten them at Highbury, but that was probably the last year. I mean, after that, we had the Indian sign over Arsenal really until until Lamps was manager and uh, Captain Black was in charge. You know, sorry, Arteta. Yeah, yeah. and Drogba. Drogba yeah. was a fundamental part of that for yeah. many a year. They were sick of the sight of Drogba. He changed, he changed so many things, Mourinho, didn't he, when he came in? Yeah. The whole yeah. culture completely changed. What an amazing manager he was. Uh, Portsmouth away, um, a couple of days, I would imagine, after that on the 28th. Uh, fairly routine win this. Robin gets another goal on 79 minutes and Cole. Not, actually, it wasn't a routine win. They were quite dogged with Portsmouth, as I recall. Uh, but we got our win uh, and uh, we finished the year uh, first, of course, top of the league. And now we are seven points clear with 55 points. And that was the largest points tally at this stage in the Premier League ever, JK. Well, we, we were playing so well and we were not losing yeah. and, and winning a lot. So it makes sense. Really. Did, did you think we were going to win the league by this time? Yes. Yes. When did you when did you decide that, interestingly? Um, in, in, my, uh, in my most... Um, wished for thoughts after the third game wow yeah so you were quite early yeah but i just thought we were wonderful and when robin appeared i just thought we're going to gallop away with this yeah and yet at the same time there's the little the little imp on my shoulder saying oh we'll lose six in a row what are you talking about we're chelsea at, at easter because that's what we would do isn't it yeah but yeah. i still didn't we were so good we yeah. were so good. there were every game was 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 even the even the, what that thing that cliche about playing badly but still winning that's still the Pompey game Pompey game was an example actually of that where um it, it was all a bit of a struggle and we weren't playing terribly well and yet we still managed to score two goals and two excellent goals 
and Robin set them up. So uh, 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 it was just a question of um, how many would we keep winning? That was And that was the joy of watching every game was you just thought we're going to win every game. I have to see every game this season. It's just remarkable. Yeah. It was a, such a remarkable season. The, the, uh, um, the, the, the feeling to see it through. I need to be here for every game because we're going to win this. That 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 was it was nurtured after the third game, but by now, I was absolutely convinced that would be the case. I hadn't seen any other team come anywhere near us, so uh, and I couldn't see even even with injuries. I felt we were going to play better just because he had you know Drogba's injured now and Johnson then comes to the fore, but it was with Robin in particular, and uh, um, as we will discover, um, some teams decided just to kick us off the the pitch, but. Um, with, with some dreadful consequences, but we were still strong enough to deal with that. I think even um, Ferguson was trying to give the impression that once we got up north, we would do that thing of, you know, they can't take it, a grim grim night up north, but we certainly could. We had the players to be able to deal with that as well. So, in fact, we're coming up to it. It was Black, Blackburn away was the, well, yeah. the, the game where I was absolutely certain we would win the, win the league. Well, um, I know. we're gonna. That will be coming up in part two. Uh, but Mark, um, what what about you? I mean, when did you? I mean, you know, did you think we were going to win the league? Now, I mean, you know, statistically that's true that whoever's top at Christmas wins the league in the Premier League. But uh, did you go early as well? No, I didn't. Um, and I think part of it was you go back a few years when we did um, a previous fifty years show, and we talked about when Viali was manager, and that year in '99, you know, where we went in top of the league going into the new year and we should have we should have won the league that year and I was thinking you know what we're going to win the league and it didn't happen yeah we lost Poirier through injury and other things happened as well so I wasn't yet and I think you had a lot of optimism at Chelsea because obviously one of the songs they were singing quite often at home games is we're going to win the league and you get everyone going shh <laughs> but later in the season they're singing it and everyone's joining in with it there, there was a very true later. Mark that's really well remembered yeah. That's really well remembered. Yes. Yeah. At, at this point, we're in a good place. I I wasn't yet saying we're, we're going to win the league. What I would say though, as well as a lot of optimism, and it's going to play out late in the season. The remarkable thing about December, yeah, we didn't have loyalty point systems then. We had the away season ticket holder. I think in December they already said something like seven of the remaining away games in the second half of the season were already sold out. And Bolton away was already sold out in December. Mm. So people were thinking in December, Along those lines. What, what's our games left in the season? If we win the league, because it looks like we might, what game might it be? And we want to make sure we get a ticket for it. Yeah, which is why I, I think, couldn't get a ticket. I think the difference, Mark, is... Yes, me, between, me too. Between yeah. the Viali um, uh, set-up when we were ahead at Christmas is that we had Mourinho. And I had, I felt Mourinho was a completely yeah, different. Well, Viali. Yeah, so good point. That's why I was more convinced it was going to happen. Um, yeah. Me too, as you know, I went very early before even the Man United game. I thought we're going to do it. And the other thing that because I'm, I, I quite like this whole kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it? I suppose it's serendipity in a way, isn't it? You know, it was our, it was our, our century next year. So in about two days' time, uh, if, if we're in 2004 still. You know, 2005 is the, the the centenary of the club's founding. I just thought it all fits. You know, Mourinho came in with that attitude. 
uh, we were so close the season before. Arsenal, you know, did incredibly well by uh, eking out draws for half the season so they could say that they were invincible. That was never going to happen again. Uh, United were still a bit up and down. They had some terrible players if we look at the Man United matches. I just thought, no, I mean, Mourinho's just too good. He's going to do this. And, you know, I, and that's not like me, as you both know. I mean, normally I'm far more pessimistic than that. But, you know. The, the, the other thing that was happening at that time as well, there was talk about us doing the quadruple, yeah. never mind winning the league. Yeah, well. Because we went into the new year in all four competitions. I know. Well, we did indeed. Uh, JK, you look poised, poised like a panther. There were two things. First of all, I put I put a fiver on us winning all four. Did you? More for me. Yeah, I don't normally bet. I was so overcome with the joy of watching the team that I went and did that. And they laughed at me in the betting shop, I have to say. Um, but also the uh, the great player who played for United was that chat spell H-E-I-N-Z-E, which according Hense. to my knowledge, well, I thought was, was Heinzer. Uh, I would have thought it made sense. I don't know how you get Henze out of it because it, it always confused me. It was Heinzer. We all know that. Yeah, the, why did was he? It's like, it's like um, Ekiog, who, who it was actually Iago. Iago. Yeah. 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 Why? Why? Who decided on on Henze? What are they? What are they called? Iago in uh, in Othello. Iago. <laughs> no, but it's a bit like they 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 have another name for him, don't they? I can't remember. Anyway, that's not go, go oh, all Shakespearean. We're in, we're in Shakespeare. Yeah, let's, Shakespeare. let's not go all Shakespearean on oh, this. Oh, my goodness. Um, me, I mean, the, 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 the clue is, is that the, the league, as it was, you will find out in part two, does not go all Shakespearean tragedy as it quite often did. Carnu, Leicester, they're ingrained in my, my poor aching heart when Chelsea uh, is concerned. But we're, 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 we're clear already at the end of the year. Um, and in fact, yes, we will be picking this up again in part two, uh, where we take you uh, on the story from January to the end of the season. Um, but before we do that, uh, I just want to say uh, we've got a little plugette because we haven't had a chance to do this for a while, having not been doing any shows thanks to Ye Olde World Cup. But we have another another Chelsea fancast and the Troubadour presents. And this time it will be an afternoon with Jason Cundy. Yes, indeedy. Uh, now, it was originally going to be in December, but uh, uh, because Chelsea uh, are playing a friendly, Jason's going to be working with Chelsea TV, so we had to move it. We've now moved it to January the 15th, which conveniently will be after the Crystal Palace match. So you can go to the match and then come and join us in the Troubadour, which is a fantastic place. You can only fit about 50 people in there, so it's quite intimate. So it's a nice little community of people who listen to the show that we have that come along you can drink your hearts out after the match it's a great venue lovely friendly venue very intimate and uh, me and jk will uh, be sitting with the great cundy who of course you will know is a great mate of mine um so he'll be hopefully nice and relaxed and will tell us all sorts of naughty stories about his time playing for chelsea in the late 80s and early 90s uh as he often says you know what it was like to play with chelsea when we were shit and he said, I know, because I was one of them, is what he often says. But he's great value. He's a huge hoot and a lovely, lovely bloke. And we've had him on the show many times before, as you probably know. Um, of course, he'll also be talking about what it's like working with Talk Sport, which will be quite a revelation, I suppose, and uh, and Chelsea TV. I mean, Jace in the media, in Talk Sport, for example, is brilliant in the fact that he flies the flag completely and utterly biasedly for Chelsea. And uh, he repels all red borders, all those idiots on TalkSport who support uh, Liverpool or United or Arsenal and indeed Spurs. So uh, we've got to love him for that. Uh, the doors will open at four. So, I mean, the match will be, you know, fizzling out by then. So basically just get 
get there as soon as you can. We'll probably kick off uh, the, uh, the 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 chat with Jace at about half four. We'll look back at the Palace game, obviously, and then we'll have a live Q and A, throwing it open to anybody who's there to ask questions of Jace. And of course, we'll try and save you a little bit of time for a meet and greet. If you want anything signed, just want to have a chat with him, buy him a drink, whatever, you can do that too. Tickets are twenty quid, and they are available at TicketWeb.uk. Uh, and it's at the Troubadour Club, which is in Old Brompton Road, uh, next to the... Is it the Pembroke Arms, Mark? Oh, gosh, I was drinking in there after I think the it's the Pembroke, well. isn't it? So I, mean, I think it is, yeah. yeah you used, know, to be, used to be, I think, the Colhern years ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we'll get kicked out by seven because they have gigs on it in the evening after us, but you can carry on the drinking in the Pembroke. Simple as, they, you ha- know? they They have jazz clubs, don't they? They do jazz. Nice. Jazz, nice. So there we go. So please, please come along. You won't regret it, Mark. I mean, they're fantastic. We've done all, we've done a couple of them now, and they've been absolutely brilliant, haven't they? Oh, they have. I think anyone listening that hasn't been so far, the, the Kerry Dixon and Pat Neville ones were absolutely fantastic. It's Chin Shed. It's a really, fantastic. really love, lovely venue. You'll be kicking yourself. We want to do these on a regular basis. And Cundy will be great. I want to ask Jason a, a question. I want to know what really happened on that coach back from Sunderland in 1992 when we got knocked out of the FA Cup. And for some bizarre reason, soon after, we decided to sell Jason, Kevin Wilson and Clive Allen in the transfer window. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I want to ask him if he remembers what was written on the stand after we did sell him, which was, I believe, bring Cundy, or bring back Cundy, wouldn't it? It was bring Cundy back. Bring yes. Cundy back. Yes. Always get yeah, and, and, and they used to sing it in the shed, like bring back our Cundy to us. They did. They did. We should sing that. We shall serenade him with that. Yes. What, um, a, what, a, what a fine idea. We, 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 we have. have... Go on. No, you, you go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you finish. No, I was going to say, we, we have a few people that can probably sing. Yeah, JK can sing. Yeah. yeah. When, bring when... back, bring back. That kind of thing. Yeah, That's something that kind of like thing. that. When I yeah. when I I had him as a guest on the main Nuts TV show, as well as the one that I had him presenting on, and uh, I, I organised this. I absolutely didn't tell anybody, but I got a load of people. They're all been in the pub, pissed. And, and we basically just barged into the live studio, uh, the, you know, the studio set, which was live TV. And uh, I mean, I know it's Spurs, but it was appropriate at the time. But we all started singing Candy from the halfway line, Candy from the halfway line. Because, of course, he scored, he shanked that goal in from the halfway line, didn't he? I think it was for Spurs. Oh, he did for, he did for, no, he did it. Didn't he do it for Ipswich? Was it for Ipswich? Oh, that's, that, Ipswich. that, yeah. that yeah. makes it slightly better then. But yeah. we, we sang that and he nearly wet himself laughing so much because he knew I was the ringleader. Uh, he, he's great fun. Do come along. It's lovely to see you. We get to meet and have a drink with you too, which is actually, for us, half of the fun. Most of the fan casters turn up. Come along. 15th of January, after the Palace game, at the Troubadour Club. Tickets are 20 quid uh, each from ticketweb.uk. You know it makes sense. Right. Uh, that's the end of part one of the 50 Years of Chelsea 2004-05 season, and we will be back for part two very soon. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.